This is the Negro League Podcast with Preach Jacobs. This is the Negro Lee Podcast. Go by the name of Preach Jacobs. We're sponsored by blah, 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 blah. I'm irritated as a motherfucker because I accidentally deleted some files about to come in here and record some music. And I don't know if I can recover them. So I'm in a bad fucking mood. Happy New Year. This will probably be out December the 31st. I'm recording this on December the 31st. Um, I waited the past couple of weeks because of Christmas and all that stuff. But we got a couple of good episodes um, back to back. So it's going to be an extra long episode. I got my girl Angie C and the homie Bryant on here. Um, really, really innovative and great conversations. And um, that's all I got. I was going to do a 2019 review um, at the beginning of this. I'm so irritated right now. I don't have these files. And plus, I'm not feeling the best trying to finish cleaning up my shit before the ball drops. And all that good stuff. If there's one thing about 2019, the biggest things I would say probably is Nipsey getting murdered. Endgame, Avengers, and Little Brother coming back together. That's what I got. Enjoy this episode of Negro League Podcast. I was going to also rant about Uncut Gems. I just don't have the energy right now. Love y'all. See y'all in 2020. Um, come up is the interview my girl angie c peace ladies and gentlemen this is the negro league podcast i go by the name of preach jacobs we are sponsored by mo better soul clothing go to mo better soul dot big cartel dot com enter code negro to save 10 percent on your next order why are you laughing at the negro I, i'm excited about the code okay well yeah yeah well you also have another sponsor which is this is funny uh we have a sponsor down east records go to down east dot com or down east records and all the social medias enter code negro to Ooh. save 10 percent for that as well the the homie uh, Matt Barube is uh, owns Down East Records, great vinyl selections. But it's my, my homie, he's a white guy, and he wanted to be a sponsor for the Negro League podcast. And he's like, I don't know if I can say this cold name, you know. <laughs> so shout out to allies that are that are concerned about being offensive or not. But that's the homie. Thank you for asking. Um, the voice you hear in the background, that I have you for a very limited time because you just drove into town Ooh. from from Charlotte. We Charlotte. have Angie C, hey. an amazing writer, amazing. Artist, hey. amazing curator hey. out of Queen City. How you doing? I'm doing really great. I'm really excited to be here in the home of the Negro League podcast. <laughs> Very excited. Thank you. We have two listeners, so don't get your hopes up. Oh, those two people matter. Are oh. they Negroes? They are Negroes. <laughs> Negroes. So, What's so yeah. Up? What's up, Preach? Thank you for having me. Really excited to be here. Thank you for being here. Thank you for uh, coming to the record store. Yeah. Um, Papa Jazz. We've been here for 40 years. Amazing. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So, you know, music and, and vinyl is still alive. I think, um, you know what I think is really funny about the music stuff is that everything kind of goes up and down mm -hmm. where I used to work at a record store years ago called Sounds Familiar, mm -hmm. and that's what I named my record label after. The, I saw that industry kind of crumble. Sure. And then all of a sudden, if you wait long enough, it'll it, come back. Along. It'll come back. Absolutely. And so customers would come in and they'll be like, why is vinyl such a big thing now? And this is my theory. I've never had this proven, but I want to see what you think about this. Mm -hmm. Vinyl is the only medium hmm. 
where you have to be stationary. Ooh. You see what I'm saying? So it's like it's like you can play a tape on a Walkman. You sure. can listen to digital stuff on your phone. You can play stuff in your car. But the turntable man never took off. Well, like nobody t- was going down the street with it holding the needle. It, exactly. It never it, happens. It, it, it ain't going to work. You, it, you can't. <laughs> You can't drive with the vinyl with speed bumps and shit. But the but visual my, is exciting though. My theory <laughs> is this is that when you have a turntable, it forces people to congregate. Yeah. Absolutely. You know what I mean? And so I think that's what people are kinda doing now and that's why it's like, you know, people are kinda coming back around to it. So that's that's my theory. It sounds good, it sounds really, really cool. I think, I think music people will also argue that there's nothing like the sound. Something about absolutely. the way it's captured on vinyl, the way we hear it back. Um, that gathering idea is super true because look how big the the things were, right? Like I remember mm-hmm. when my dad got rid of his original vinyl from the seventies and eighties. That shit took up a good portion of the living room. Okay, yeah. there's a speaker situation, there's a console, we mm-hmm. got plastic glass cabinet things you got to push that one area to open mm-hmm. like it was a whole experience go find the records take it out it was a um, definitely yeah. a whole moment and i think we're always looking for those kind of authentic analog feelings to bring back community even if you're just with yourself somehow you feel like i think because we know what those studio sessions look like exactly it feels like you have those people close by to you the sound nothing is gonna ever in my opinion be vinyl besides live maybe i agree and the thing about it too is if you think about this i've, I've heard i've read that this is the first generation of kids that don't own collections anymore. Because back mm. in the day growing up, your CD collection, your record collection, your DVD collection, that's what you used to brag about. Yeah. Now the new generation doesn't own a collection. They own access. Right. You and then I mean? and Apple Music, um, exactly. you know, they'll mess around and take that collection from you. I was really proud of what I was building with my monthly subscription. Mm-hmm. Um, I messed around and, and not paid for a month. And I was like, flip, 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 Yo, flip, yeah, flip. It's gone. <laughs> these albums are not here. You don't own these. And I looked at what I actually did own currently still on my phone. And I was like, ha, different. I thought I, I thought I had a lot more tribe in here. Apparently, no. 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 <laughs> so as an artist and, yeah. and, and as a musician, like we go through this thing, you know, um, we we did an event that you help uh sure. help uh put your put your name and effort and energy behind. I guess you helped curate it with uh, me and Chris. I Charles. did. I, I didn't. I didn't. Kind of. I, I I did. It was my brainchild. But carry on with this shade. All right. Thank you carry for. Uh, there was no shade. I just want. I just don't want to say mm, the wrong thing. So, okay. I'll help. All right. Because like you know, I'm trying to be vague and whatever. Fuck it. But <laughs> but the 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 difficulty is trying to encourage people to buy something that they probably get for free right so the ideas of vinyl is really really dope because vinyl still has the the cool aesthetic and people have, are kind of attached to it where there's people that put in albums out they don't even do cds anymore you know sure do you find it as an artist what's your difficulty that you see nowadays where you're trying to get the public to to pay for the actual art Sure. Well, um, to back up, the majority of what I do is curate arts and culture programming for a large museum space in Charlotte. I also work with other smaller organizations um, and then perform on my own. So that is what I do as an arts and culture curator and performer. Um, and most of the programming I offer to the people has to be for the free Free exactly. 99. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Um, and so, but the goal of what I'm doing is so deep. We're looking at these deeper parts of culture. Um, Preach, the host of the Negro League podcast, as I say it right, <laughs> yeah, um, was, it. was I brought to town for one of our conversations where we looked at the 21st century usage of music videos, right? Mm-hmm. So are people still watching them, creating them? Who's consuming them? Mm-hmm. Um, before that event, it had to be free to the public. If I charge 5 or $10 for our demo, the same thing that people are doing in larger markets and can put a cover on, mm-hmm. can put a ticket on in charlotte i still have to make those things free um so we do a quarterly event called art after dark and the goal of art after dark
Marcus to look deeper into black culture. So if it's Black Music Month, we in the art space making mixed media album covers. We're bringing in conversations right. around the music. We're looking at samples. People are dancing and moving to things from the African diaspora, right? So we're trying to take people to that deeper layer, right? And mm-hmm. so we'll get a few hundred people through the door, but that's because it's free. Free. Well, well fair <laughs> enough, fair <laughs> enough. Uh, and the thing is, too, though, you know, even if it's free to the public, oh, <laughs> yeah, yeah, there's still there's still the entity that houses those events understand the importance of it. Oh uh, yeah, and it's I, not free for us to do. We always it, tell exactly. people it's free for you to come, but it's not free for me to put on because that would be disrespectful to the people. Well, we're well that's the thing about it is that yeah. is that in Colombia the idea of paying artists was such this foreign concept. I give you I give you an in example. Current 2019, like I, now. Listen, I I don't know how much has changed, but I give you an example. In this city, there's this um this meeting of the minds that used to p- come together to to help bring a big act to the city for a big event every year. Mm-hmm. I'm trying to be vague because I don't want people sure, on the bus. Sure, sure. Um, and this was financed with with city funding, mm-hmm. right? And I'm talking about six figures. So yeah, we're talking about yes. at least 100 grand or whatever. Yes. So they bring me on to this board and I'm thinking that they want to have me kind of in the brain trust to figure out who we want to bring. Mm-hmm. But they spent the majority of the money on some act that I wasn't a big fan of. Mm-hmm. But by the time they came to me, the money was almost all gone. And they came to me and said, do you think you can get local artists to perform for exposure? That's rude. And my argument to them was this. I said, it is public funds and it's open to the, you know, it's it's." Uh, you know, public knowledge, like all this, any public money going to these things. So the public knows you guys got over six figures for this event. Mm-hmm. For me as an artist here to ask other artists to perform for free when I know y'all motherfuckers got over a hundred thousand dollars is disrespectful. And yeah. they don't, and I don't think they understood that concept. I'm like, look, it doesn't even have to be a lot of money that you offer the artist. You just have to make that commitment to tell them right. that your energy and your time is worth the money yeah. getting paid for your services is worth the money and right. and that was a thing where kind of tie in um shout out to, to to alvin jacobs who whose article came out yesterday did you see this mm-hmm. you know alvin mm-hmm. okay so are you quiet is this something we can get into or because it, it was I don't. I wouldn't comment on him specifically. I mean, he's an artist who I've worked with. He was an artist in residence well, at my day oh, job. I'll say, but the point of his conversation about paying artists and artists that, being okay. able to live is something that we talk about all the time. So if you're in any city that does not have an infrastructure that supports artists with dollars, American mm-hmm. currency, then artists are experiencing that, right? So we had a recently in the Charlotte area a big tax that potentially the county was going to levy on sales items, right? Not food, not mm-hmm. gas, and things like that. So we were going to get a quarter percent of that money to then go back into the arts. It was going to end up being around $22 million a year. This is a concept that exists in places like Denver, places like New York, um, other places who have figured out that we've got to get the public buy-in to the arts in order to make it sustainable, Mm -hmm. in order to make it thriving, and so the artists can have an actual living, right? The the idea of a starving artist does not actually have to exist. Exactly. It's like, we romanticize that so much, and I I say we in the sense of some artists buy into that shit, and I'm like, nah, bro, like, you know. No, we can eat, like, we should be, we should be surviving so i think that um our city and county decided nah they decided they did not want to fund the arts through this tax so the way that i'm still feeling and still getting out of my feels about is how are we making art for a city and area that legit doesn't want to support us yeah like what do you think we're supposed to eat off? they're like well just raise more money that's still like y'all and that's corporation so the idea yeah. of the patronage system mm-hmm. um the patronage system the starving artists all of these things work together to make it so that we appear to be not vital mm-hmm. so that 
that we are um, an industry that they don't think they need to exist or support. And so it's really disheartening to look at how people view what we do. Mm -hmm. I work largely in theater and visual arts, Mm -hmm. um, but as a space that is a cultural art space, my day job in museum world means I'm bringing in artists from all over, performing artists, visual artists Mm -hmm. from the city, and I'm compensating them. I'm finding money in my budget to make sure that nobody comes through that door and does work and doesn't get an honorarium. If nobody says this to you, I want to say thank you on behalf of all the black artists that you've put money in their pockets because you know you're doing the lord's work and i think (laughs) but i think that a lot of people you know being an organizer of events i think you know the many times where people come to me be like hey why don't you do such and such event anymore it's like yo if y'all saw my nigga my credit score is so fucked up yeah um because i wanted to finance these things and and the public didn't understand this is for y'all. To buy in. Exactly. This is for y'all, and we exactly. need your buy-in and your voice, or we need y'all to be behind some of these taxes we try to levy. Exactly. Um, and then there was there we have we've had a lot of conversations around equity and inequities that have happened over the decades. And so a lot of my work with other creatives in the city is how do we fix those inequities in the large institutions, and how do we really just get people to see us as a vital part of the community that, like the parks and other things, it's not enough money to make them go on their own. We love them, we need them, mm-hmm. but they also they need us to buy into it. We're a public good. Yeah. Yeah. And there's two parts of this, right? It's that it's that it's always the one side. I, I'm so glad you're here because I wanted to talk to you about this. It's the one side of the being an artist where how are we going to finance this? How are we going to figure out a way to balance, you know, the work life versus mm, yeah. uh, versus the artist life? But then there's the other end of the spectrum where there was this interview that Andre 3000 had. Mm-hmm. And he's on the opposite end of the spectrum where he has all the resources in the world as an artist where he can make an album whenever he wants to. He can work on music whenever he wants to. He can be in movies. He can do film, whatever. But he talked about being um, insecure, social anxiety, right. and Absolutely. not being motivated. Right. You know? Um, so when you're in those moments where if you feel like you don't have the proper form of motivation, like what, what do you do? Gosh, um, a lot of my work, I have the benefit of performing on stage. I just did a stand-up slash theater version of Josephine Baker's life. Like Mm. Josephine, it was um, dope. There was a lot of shimmying um, involved. And so I get to do some of that work that's that front, right, where I have to deal with my anxieties potentially. But then the good portion of my work is behind the scenes. Mm -hmm. So if I'm a little out of it or whatever, maybe I got to do an intro at the beginning of a conversation or a program or talk with an artist real quick. But I'm able to still be in the moving and shaking behind the scenes where that anxiety doesn't place as big a role right mm-hmm, mm-hmm. so Andre is connected to conversations around Summer Walker and other people and we forget mm-hmm. that these artists have come into this business with whatever baggage they were carrying before they're all people you watch the Wu-Sang Saga like it was so important for me to remember what their lives were like before they got to us right before yeah. the 36 chambers who were they and what were they dealing with because once people get on we like you a magical superstar Negro do yeah. magical dancing for me yeah, act, yeah exactly act, yeah, yeah, yeah. Act. Yeah. we don't want to hear you about your problems act so like that's unfair to people so I think as an artist I manage it by one I've never been afraid to be on the stage or in front of people so that's not my particular issue mm-hmm. but I do get anxiety around giving excellent programming right so mm-hmm. I can just put anything out on the calendar but having quality conversations and things like that trying to find people booking people making sure I can give an honorarium making sure I got space as people gonna come mm-hmm. is I'm finna do this and y'all not coming like so oh, I have anxiety around that kind of stuff yeah that the, the night of a show Ooh, child. The, the night of an event <laughs> Tell me if this is you. It's wild. The biggest frustration is if I have an event, like like when I did Black as Fuck, when we were talking about this a little bit earlier, you know, this one-man show that I did is the most personal thing I've ever done. And the last thing I want the day of the show 
is niggas calling to see if they can get in for free. Ooh. You know, so those phone calls that you get the day of an event, if, the if DMs, there's any advice you can DMs, get from an artist, the nigga, text, nigga. If don't hit us any, up on the day of anything. Unless no. you are an artist saying you lost yeah, exactly, and you can't exactly. you can't find the venue. If that's not why you calling me, yeah. don't don't call Listen, me. Listen, and there's nothing worse than the limium. And you know what the limium is? No, what is that? The limium is if you out and about and you're trying to go, you be like, uh, limium, get ah! you up. <laughs> right? <laughs> so so there's nothing worse than the day of the show yo. where the particular person was talking about from Charlotte that was supposed to come. He hit me with the limium. He was uh, like, yo, limium. Limium, see you about this. Y'all got to check on something. Let me hit you right yo, back. Yo. Let the, me hit you right back is also famous last words. They, oh, they're absolutely. not calling you back. They're not calling you back. Yeah, they're not like, yeah. texting you back. They don't have the shit. It's not happening for yeah, you. Yeah, 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 yeah. So, so, so those are that's like kind of shorthand for artists that I don't think. Here's the thing that I didn't realize yeah. is that I think people that aren't artists thinks two things. They think that it's so easy for us when they see us out here, because and I can understand that, right? Because the we number make it one look easy. well, the number one fear of people is public speaking. Mm-hmm. Death is number two. Mm-hmm. So the average person would rather be the person in the box than the one giving the eulogy. Yeah. So if you're able to go on stage, you're automatically... Superhero. Yeah, yeah. You know what I'm saying? So they assume that A, it's a lot easier than what it is. And B, it's... Let me see if I can figure out the best analogy for this. Essentially, it's one of those things where if if somebody, if a woman's purse gets snatched... And someone is yelling, help, help, help. Nobody will call because someone always assumes like, oh, somebody else is going to do that. Mm-hmm. And I think that's how people feel about the artists in the event where they're like, oh, I can't make it. But man, Preach got the motherfuckers yeah, It's like the, It's it. like the NPR um, pledge drives. Mm. They're like, no, 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 we need you to call in. Yeah, exactly. Right. Not, your neighbor's not fitting to pledge. You got to call in. Um, but like you mentioned, Alvin, he was, um, it's funny that you said like, do you know Alvin? Like literally his exhibit, his artists in mm-hmm. residency, I manage those. Mm-hmm. So I manage those for the museum that I work with. So I had to work with him very closely. And so I understand what he's writing about in the situation because we talked about people who get opportunities still needing support and resources. Yeah. Right. Those checks come, I think, unless you're an artist in a position of having work out, mm-hmm. doing a record, doing shows, you understand that the money comes when it comes. Mm-hmm. And then you got a direct deposit it's, it's, on the 15th. It's feast of family. Yeah. yeah. Like then I got something maybe in March. Yeah. Like you seen me on, you see me in this article. Nobody paying me for articles. Yeah. Nobody paying me to be on podcast. Shout out to podcasts for having conversations. But typically nobody got, paying you to be I, on the podcast. I got a, I got a gift card to Starbucks. I got a half cup of red wine, y'all. I, 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 pro- I got a book of some artwork that, that you could probably... I probably got some stuff. This was no shade. I'm not leaving out of here with none of his books, y'all. <laughs> Whatever. No this, but this is just to get people to understand, like, um, I, I no longer really work for free. It's got to be something mm-hmm. that I really want to do in an opportunity where I'm still working on mm-hmm. that I might maybe say for free. But the thing, too, is that, you know, the thing about the album situation that I thought was more interesting, you know, than just the conversation about the artist being compensated is that he was in a really bad accident. And, and I hope, you know, he recovers and, and much love and shout out to him is that I've been through this in a situation where as an artist, you know, workers comp, I had a bad injury yeah. where I lost like my front teeth. Oh, no, nobody beat, nobody beat me up. Okay. Nobody beat me up. I slipped and fell on the sidewalk. My face hit the sidewalk. And my teeth went through. The smile, yeah, the smile okay. sexy is a motherfucker. Yeah, the yeah, the smile it's sexy is a motherfucker. Now that shit got fixed, but but I couldn't talk for like a month. And talking is your job. You, you feel what I'm saying? Yeah. So the thing with Alvin is one thing to deal with those insecurities on a regular basis, but what happens when you can't 
move? Mm-hmm. What happens when you can't do your work? What happens, you know, when in the article he was saying, I'm literally typing this with one finger. Like, mm-hmm. I almost lost the use of my hand. So, like, so there's an empathy with that as well, where there's no workman's comp for artists. There's no, no, you know, no union for artists, that right. type of thing, you know. And we're on a baseball-themed show, right? So you got so many parallels there, parallels with um, athleticism and entertainment, right? What we do is so based on our bodies, mm-hmm. and because we are in an industry where there is no workers' comp, we may, may not have insurance. If something physically happens to the tool that we use to do our work, exactly. we got we asked out. Exactly. And so, and so like, I, I thought it was really, really interesting to see that from – the independent artists and then to also see that like people like Andre go through the same thing. Yeah. But there was something really interesting that happened in that interview was um he was talking to Rick Rubin and Rick Rubin kind of I would say he called out Andre, but he basically said this to Andre. He basically said, Well look, you know, you're living the life you want to live. Like you're doing what you want to do. Like this nigga wanna play the flute at a fucking airport. Play the flute at an airport, you know? It's just that he's just not making music. And so I thought about this where oh. I think about Prince. Yeah. Where I'm like, when Prince has this, this, you know, obtuse personality. Sure. Did he do that to protect himself from this? Yeah, the luxury of being aloof. Exactly. That's, right? that's yeah, definitely yeah. a luxury. It is also a protective layer mm. um, that you can have. But I'm never going to tell an artist, suck it up, suck that shit up, and perform this the yeah, life yeah, you want. Exactly. That is a very dangerous conversation. People yeah. fulfill their feelings. Yeah. People need to be allowed to feel their feelings. Um, yes, we knowingly enter whatever industry. You a nurse, you enter that industry, you know you're going to see people die. Mm. If you got a problem with death. It's probably a rough industry for yeah, you to enter. Exactly. Yeah. But that person does that and they're allowed to have a moment with that. We again put artists, performing artists, visual artists in this moment where y'all better not make no no, we don't want to hear nothing about you being sad because you got money. Because yeah. money's gonna fix everything. They do the same thing with, with athletes where yeah. where it's like, oh, you know, it should be a, a, a privilege to be in sports, especially like football. Like, yo, gosh yeah, darn the it, amount no of pain the amount of pain that these people go through. Yeah. You know, using your bodies, especially when we talk about college sports where this, you know, you got coaches getting paid millions of dollars and, and players are getting paid nothing. Yeah. You, you know what I think is different for with stuff like this? You know why I think it's different for stuff like this? Why, Preach? It's weird because I kind of just had this epiphany. I don't know this epiphany, even mm. though you're being sarcastic right now. I'm not. Okay, well, okay. You know what I think it is? I think that people are assholes to artists mm. with this whole, you know, you better dance type of shit mm-hmm. because they're going to the artist's to get away from their problems. Mm-hmm. You know so, what I'm saying? I just, so yeah, it is in the way where I want this picture to be what it is in front of me. Mm-hmm. Don't do nothing else. I've come to express my pain or receive something. Like you don't want your pastor also telling you about ish they're going through, right? <laughs> right. Fix yeah. me. <laughs> Fix right. me, exactly. Negro. Yeah. Where the hell? Oh, pastor. Wrong? Whoa. Pastor, you got Jesus' cell phone number. I don't have that. You I don't, know what I'm saying? Don't have that. And so, like, as society, we also have to think about what is our role in some of what artists go through. We can look back at a lot of tragic um, experiences mm-hmm. we've seen um, and really use that as an example that we have a big role to play in how artists um, travel their journey and how they experience life. And it can be really dangerous. Like, I mean, how do we support, like, to the point of any artist who has an injury or has something happen to them? Mm-hmm. How do we as a community support, right? What, yeah. what can we do? Uh, what opportunities can we extend like I'm hoping that article that came out I'm hoping that they compensate him at the yeah, bottom it said yeah. it was sponsored by whoever so me and my programming eyes I'm reading sponsored and I'm mm-hmm. like yeah. well I hope there was some per word he typing with one finger exactly was there per per finger 
typing <laughs> right. compensation oh, yeah, yeah. Um, or do we just put it out and hope now from the I think it's up to like 2,000 views or something do we now hope because his artist in residency with the museum ended last year but he still has work up so I still like I've booked him for something in February let's, we're doing this or that let's let's yeah. um orchestrate something to bring him bring some artwork here for him sure yeah, I, th- I think it'd sure. be dope and, and look but that's it, a big part of it, right? The yeah. artist has to get out and find those opportunities. I tell people all the time, exhibitions yeah. are not where you make your money. Mm-hmm. You make your money in other spaces or what the exhibition has allowed you to then do. Then you got to have your work together. You got to be able to pitch it to different places, go to your talks, go to your this, your that. And you have to really market yourself because you are your business. You are your product. Yeah. I'm going to tell you the greatest advice. A friend of mine, Sanford Green, who's... Um, his his book Bitter Root, which is like the biggest comic book that came out. Bitter this year. Root, I like it. Um, it takes place like in in uh, the Harlem Renaissance era, this and and it's basically it's a supernatural thing where it's basically this black family sure. be fighting ghosts and shit. Oh. And and I've had him on the podcast before. A close friend of mine, matter of fact, he did this piece right here from ColorCon. The piece that people can't see. Uh, um, well, they can hear it. I'll post it in the uh, you know in the oh, review. Damn, you can't see it either. You ain't got your glasses on. Woo. But um, but. Here's what he told me that I thought was really, really dope is that, you know, first and foremost, Bitter Root is being made into a movie. And mm, Ryan congratulations. Coogler, Ryan Coogler is at the, the helm of it. Congratulations. And and he's from Columbia, South Carolina. But he said this to me because before he got a chance to do his own property with Bitter Root, he's worked for Marvel. He's worked for DC. Yeah. He's worked for all the big companies. He told me this. He said, when you are working for these companies, they don't give a shit how dope you are. Oh, no. You know what I'm saying? It's like when you're dealing with like Marvel, it's like, yo, can you be consistent? Can you be on time? Can right. you meet deadlines? And I think what happens to us when we're talking about traveling as an artist, I know the further away from home I go, mm-hmm. the less I'm going to get paid because, mm. because niggas don't know me. And it doesn't mean that I'm whack. It just means that y'all don't know me. So I would probably do more free stuff the further I am from home than being in town. I want to challenge that. Okay, I'm going to challenge that with my inbox. Let's go. People hit me up on a regular basis. No one preaching. Pitching wild ass shit. Okay. Not about you. Okay. But they oh, pitch oh, me oh. with a regular price. <laughs> right. They pitch me in the thousands. I ain't never heard of them. I got to yeah. go Google them. But you know what? Depending on how their their product looks, mm-hmm. depending on how their write-up, their EPK looks, mm-hmm. it might be something I need for a programming gap. I may go out there and Google it. Yeah, Sometimes yeah. it'd be whack. But people have hit me up from around the country, some even outside of the country. I have some people coming from Brazil right now mm-hmm. off the strength of for email. So, yes, in some cases, depending on what your industry you. is, yeah, you know yeah. what I'm saying? You're going to find that people might pay you less, but also people might be like, wow, this is amazing. Yeah. And the respect you don't get at home, somebody in like Tulsa is like, what? Well, I've, I've here's another thing I've heard about that, too, because I think sometimes you might get more love when you go out of town. And I know I felt that. I know the program that you organized for Chris and I, and we showed our video and we talked. Like, I, I, I don't have much stuff like that in Columbia. Mm-hmm. Here's what someone said to me, and I thought this is really profound. They said... You know, that whole, like, biblical verse is like, you, you're not a prophet, prophet in your own home. time. Yeah. yeah. Here's my theory on it. Here's my theory on that. I think that you would think that people in your hometown would show more love, mm-hmm. but they saw you work on becoming who you are. And they don't like that. People don't like that. Some, like, oh. yeah, maybe your homies will yeah. like to see the come up, yeah. but then really people want to see the finished product. Well, yeah, ex- well, that's exactly, that's, that's they exactly my point. So when you start doing something, they're like, man, I remember preaching that nigga had braces. You, right. know, you yeah. know what I'm saying? Be like third grade. <laughs> I tripped that one time in third grade. Exactly. I ain't finna go see that nigga. I ain't paying no $10 for him. Yeah. But it's when terrible. I go to another city, the man I am now, that's yeah. who oh, I am. Okay, you know come on, saying? man, you are now. Come on, growth. The come man on. I am now, my memoir. Wow, <laughs> wow, the movie phone voice. Right, Press exactly. one. But yeah, me be playing uh, Dizzy Gillespie in the biopic. But mm, um, yes, y'all. But but yeah, so I I think 
I think it's a fluid thing as being an artist, but I think that the most important thing about being an artist is to have a community. You know what I mean? That that I've reached out to artists in different cities and said to them, hey, I know you don't know me outside of social media, mm-hmm. but if you need something, I'm here. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? Because I understand that our struggles mirror each other and, and we have to help build each other up. You know what I'm saying? So I think that's a very, very, very important part of that conversation. And I think the other thing too is, you know, it's we kind of got to train the public, right? And we got to train the public to pay for our shit. Because, yeah. like, the thing that happens in Columbia is that Columbia is a is a frat rock town. So people are used to going to musical events and not paying, right? Mm. They go to They go to, like, you know, Wild Wings and hear a band play covers for three hours. So yeah. when you are a, a band playing original shit, they're not really used to that. Mm-hmm. And I say we have to train the public. Sort of kind of we got to train the public by being honest about the shit that bothers us, right? Because it's like the Instagram culture, everybody wants everything to look doper than what it is. Mm-hmm. And it's a movie. Go come out tonight. Yeah, it's going to be a exactly. movie. Um, but building behavior, there's an artist visiting Charlotte. Her name is Brittany Williams from mm-hmm. Chicago. Shout out to Brittany. Um, but we've been having conversations about building behavior. Building how, behavior. Yeah, right. right? Like, that sounds dope. It yeah. made me meditate on it. I was like, building yeah. behavior. It was like a Absolutely. TED Talk and shit. I was like, ooh, mm, it's interesting. Mm-hmm. Because it really is a lot of what we do. That conversation that um, brought you all in skill um, shout out to Skills shout from to Richmond, skills. Um, who also came through. And like, I know Skills from my work back in radio, back back in the day. Mm-hmm. Um, and so I was, was like, it, was, it, was it in Brooklyn? It was not in Brooklyn, but <laughs> shout, thank you for Brooklyn coming up in this conversation without me doing it. Shout out One to New York niggas, always telling you to do New York niggas. One time for the borough. <laughs> um, and so I knew he was in town for another event, and I was like, oh, could you also, oh. could you also do this and hear these dollars, right? Yeah. Um, but like, so building behavior. So we're gonna have a conversation about music videos. That's not something people in our region are used to seeing. Absolutely. Um, the, the performance that I told you I did with Josephine Baker, that is a conversation of trying to bring educational entertainment nightlife to Charlotte. That's not really something that exists. We have, like you mentioned, bars. Yo, shout out. I mean, shout out to bars on one end, but bars, y'all got to start paying people. Absolutely. Um, but we there's a lot of trivia nights and, in Charlotte, and don't right? Pay, and don't pay us in drinks. Right? Don't pay us in drinks and food, because then now you got alcoholic people. Don't have y'all not watched the VH1 behind the music. Mm-hmm. Stop paying us in alcohol. Y'all helping to aid a bad culture um but anyway the trivia nights are really all that exists in terms of nerdy nightlife so mm-hmm. they're trying to build this behavior around having a conversation called nerdy night out the first one we did was about women it was different women spies so i chose josephine baker it was josephine or harriet tubman mm-hmm. um shout out to, to araminta um but i did josephine so trying to build this idea that charlotte hey y'all can come out see this conversation by these storytellers and comedians i was also able to work on new material in my artist journey um mm-hmm. and perform that but it really is putting a thing out there letting people know what it is um giving them a little taste on your social media and then really making it priced at a good rate um and having people come out so it's a lot of variables involved in programming that people don't understand uh, because people see me on stage in my theater life but i really might argue no i was gonna say it's harder but some roles i've had have been equally as difficult Mm. as putting together a program booking people for it picking the right night pricing it right which is usually free um convincing my institution this makes sense y'all people gonna come to it exactly it's a good idea man we always got to 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 try we got to be insurance sales people like yep trust me people this is 
they're going to come out to it. I promise you. Um, so it's a lot of trust in the community, but a lot of that behavior does have to be built and cultivated. We're not in a city like Austin, right, where people have come there for the weird. They've come there for the arts yeah. um, and the music. South by Southwest did a lot to build what is there, right? We don't have the luxury of having that in this region. Mm-hmm. Um, between D.C. and Atlanta or D.C. and Miami, you know, it's a little sometimes. I was gonna say a wasteland. That's rude. It's not a wasteland. <laughs> okay. Don't nobody quote me saying that. But it is a little dry. The funny thing is, like, <laughs> it's like being in Columbia. We look at Charlotte as being more progressive, and then people in Charlotte are like, "Oh, Charlotte has so much more that it needs to do." So, but here's the question I would have for you: that that this might be my blind spot is that yes, there's there's difficulties being an artist, mm-hmm. and then there's difficulties being a black artist doing black programming Mm -hmm. what are things that you feel are specifically more stressful being a black woman um in the art scene oh my goodness um there's so much to it from the visual art side i'll definitely say most of the people who run visual arts are white women Mm, um so mm -hmm. being a black woman in that space you're having to one champion for your right to be in the space Mm -hmm. and then once you bring up some black art people are like Oh, that's right. There are black artists. Yeah, yeah. Um, and you gotta have that moment. So it's really difficult to be the one always. I call myself a rain cloud. Mm. I feel like I enter a space, and I'm usually like, nope, nope. <laughs> How about this? How about that? I have a lot of conversations on intersectional um, feminism and womanism, and letting people know that hey, you're doing that really progressive thing, but you have a whole half of that table that's missing who needs to be there. Mm-hmm. And that position is always really uncomfortable. Um, that's preacher's alarm, y'all. I think he has. I got to. some time. I got some time. Um, <laughs> so it's really hard doing that work. I would say also trying to do weird fringe art people if they see a black woman come to stage she finna sing (laughs) oh you don't sing what you what you doing you're not singing oh she's she's gonna do comedy i think so like seeing stand up or see you know seeing a black Mm. woman do something that they're not used to seeing can Mm. also be challenging um that room i performed in last week i think there were five black women in the audience i was so happy to see them Mm-hmm. And in my mind, I was doing this, Josephine, for them. And, like, y'all happen to be here, other people, but I'm going to focus on them. I feel like we, as black women in the space, always have to find something or sit in whatever it is, right? So if we are angry, we don't have to sit in that anger. Mm-hmm. And this is what you're getting. Like, so having the strength to be able to sit in whatever feels you're feeling, whatever kind of performance you're doing, I think is really hard coming. Because it's really a lot of breaking people's expectation for what they think is coming when they come to see a black woman. So what can something. black men do to help? Oh, this is good. This is important. Peace, peace, I have peace. so many bullets. <laughs> what y'all could do? Um, I think the biggest thing y'all can do is support. When I'm date dating as an artist, is fun. That is a stand up waiting to be written. But when I tell someone that I am a full time artist or full time creative, all of my work is in the arts. They're always like, "So, boy, what's your job?" Like what you do <laughs> yeah. or like they don't really they literally don't understand. So I think taking time if you are a non-creative and you are dating a creative or you're going to buy tickets for one. I think supporting them in the same way that you would your favorite male version of that person is mm-hmm. giving them a chance to just be um, Jean Grey goes off about every three months on not wanting to be called a femc. Yeah. She's just an MC That's dope. Yeah. Right. So some of that is really taking the paradigm shift from your brains, black men mm-hmm. of this idea that men and women are different value size or different talent pool or whatever, and really just coming in to see a show and be entertained, right? Come and support us, come out, represent us, shout us out in the same way that you do your favorite male version of whatever art it is. Absolutely. I think that's the biggest one. Stop playing trash shit on Instagram as well. (laughs) But Tinder's another conversation. Man, look, okay, well, Tinder, the the motivations are totally different. I just... (laughs) 
I guess as an artist, how do you feel about the effectiveness of Facebook in 2020s? Facebook, yeah. like specifically as a platform, yeah, not social yeah. media, but Facebook. Right. I want to, I want to, I want to go through all of them one by one. Like all Facebook, right. where is that at with you now? Okay, so Facebook is still a space that um, I grew up in a very churchy um, community. Mm-hmm. So I still have a lot of friends that are super faith based. Like these are the people that you make SNL skits about or whatever mm-hmm. in that space. And then I also have a lot of professional connections. To me, I use it like LinkedIn. <laughs> like you use LinkedIn? Okay. I don't. I use it like. Okay. Like. <laughs> Like LinkedIn, and anytime, that is. Anytime I get a LinkedIn email from somebody, oh gosh, I know are, they got hacked. They are <laughs> with the LinkedIn. Like, it's like I know this nigga ain't sending me this shit. It's, yeah. it's it's pervasive. So um, I am sharing information about a show. I'm putting up some post show pictures. Thank you for coming. Um, I use it a lot to market programming. Shout out if you're in Charlotte. Um, if this is coming out before Friday and Saturday, we have Soulful Noel. We're on cue. It's a holiday musical review at Spirit Square. So come through and oh get my a goodness. ticket. So I I I post information about shows that are coming up um i use it so my parents know i'm not dead right. yeah that's that's my thing instead as soon as my dad said he True. wanted to get a facebook page it's like it's time to get off of it. uncomfortable yeah yeah but but i i've been really i think i just want to just step away from certain social medias or social media altogether but i don't want to be the nigga that be on facebook announcing that you know that i'm biggest, about to leave y'all yo, yeah i'm off yo, this if it's 2020 and you're still my friend yo you, you make, 40 and you, you on facebook cut, you know what i'm saying like so that that part of That's it I, I think is corny um but like i i want to be able to find a way that i don't want to contribute my time and stuff that i don't feel is productive you know what i'm saying because a lot of times like Facebook shit, I don't feel, I never feel better. You're not necessarily saying I feel worse per se, but it never feels like, it's like, you know, no, I minimize so much of my time on there. So literally at this, I had deleted it, but my parents live out of the country where my dad is from in Panama. Viva mm-hmm. la Panama. What's up, my Afro-Latinas? We out here. Um, yeah, yeah. <laughs> so I, I have it just so I could see them. But then there is also a bunch of folks on there who are not like on my Instagram um, feed. Yeah. So I want them to see the work I'm doing. One for artist growth. Like if we don't got nobody else to hype us up, we're going to hype up ourselves. Look at what I did. Oh Here's his post. Um, or you just want to share it. So it's such a large marketing space that every month or so when I want to delete it, I stay on it because I know that for some people, there are people who are buying tickets or who are knowing about the work or who may book me for something else because they saw me produce this or that show or whatever. Um, So I keep it because of those reasons, but I just don't, I don't engage. I try not to read the comments, darn it, New York Times, fucking NPR. (laughs) I try not to read the comments because it's really disheartening to see who we share the world with. Mm -hmm. And that to me is one of the biggest down the downsides of Facebook is that you realize how many trash humans you share the world with. Yeah, speaking of trash humans, I don't know when this is going to come out, but uh, this, it's, the impeachment it's impeachment day. <laughs> Merry impeachment. Merry impeachment to you all. I mean, you know, it's just one of those things where it's just like, you know, I'm, I'm kind of half happy because I, I, I'm hoping the the impeachment process goes you know favorably Ooh, but but i don't think the senate's going to get them out the paint no the the censure part of the experience is not going to happen mm-hmm. um i taught civics for a long time and helping the students understand that impeachment is the side on the house and then if the senate votes to remove them that process mm-hmm. is called censure um no it's a different s word yeah. i had a half cup of wine it's well, something we can, else we, okay hold on a second i can ask <laughs> i can ask google how should i ask google? ask um google what is it called when the senate votes to remove the president okay hey google What's it called to remove the president? Where's Google? It's a different word. 
Hey, Google. What's the Senate vote? Turn the volume up 40%. <laughs> hey, Google. What's the term for removing the president after impeachment? Here's a summary from the website en.wikipedia.org. Impeachment is not a criminal proceeding, as the defendant does not risk forfeiture of life, liberty, or property. <laughs> the only penalty is removal from office upon conviction by two-thirds of the senators present. To find out more, look for the link in your Google Home or Google Assistant app. We can't see that right now. Man. All right, fuck it. I got it. Okay, what is it? What is it? What is it? It is. It's an educational motherfucking podcast, nigga. You know what I'm talking about? I used to teach civics. I taught middle and high school for a decade. Um, but I've been in this arts life so heavy now that I don't forgot the word. I know it starts with an S, but I'm feeling like censure isn't right. Um, we shall come back to it because it has me in the literal constitution, which <laughs> <laughs> we can't read that right now. Well, don't but worry. We'll come back to it. Don't worry. The know, president don't know about that shit either. Um, <laughs> Trump's look, look at that shit and he'd be like, he look at that shit that every time like your phone does like the the i the iTunes update with their uh their I don't know. How they, how do you have it? The software updates, the software whatever. Updates. Yeah, that's how he treats. That's how he treats he the constitution. So, like so, I tried to listen for like fifteen twenty minutes. Um, and the way they did it was each of them had three hours, and they literally went back and forth between a Democrat and a Republican. Mm. Um, <laughs> and it felt like I was in an alternate universe. Um, <sighs> and so it's hard to get into and really talk about, but. It's like it's facts over here in the corner, and y'all just out here going, "No, you wanted to impeach him from jump." Okay, they that could be true, and the thing could be true. Exactly, as well. exactly. Like y'all acting like it can't be. We could do more than one thing at a time. At the same yeah. time, so yes, we haven't wanted him there because we've known that he was a terrible human and shouldn't have been there. But I yes, mean, now he did this thing that we could literally call out. Yeah, I mean, because as soon as he became a president, the first thing he said, I, I said to myself, is that you know he has a very impeachy vibe. Impeachy, right? There's a nigga that. I got some impeachy vibes is this motherfucker right he, here <laughs> it's still a wonder to me that we got that not a wonder in that obviously we know the kind of systems that exist mm-hmm. i think that we forgot that there were that many people who would agree with it for him to be elected oh, i yeah. think that was what, like we know they exist but i was like damn it's really that many of y'all yeah was it 63 million that voted for him uh, don't get me started on all that uh, but yeah, we are doing this on the day of the impeachment hearing in the House, um, and they have been talking for hours, and it's been aggressive. And yes, I am still Googling this because I'm a nerd. I'm a nerd. I'm a nerd. Oh, let me ask Google again. Hey, Google. No, no, okay, What's the update on the impeachment process? Sorry, I can't find news on impeachment process. Oh, huh. really? Huh. Oh, word? Huh. Oh, word? I guess Google. Fox owns Google. But Google yeah. is into the shits. Um, but yeah, like I think the way that we use social media, so you've got, I think we also get a lot of material from it, right? So with all that's happening with politics, funny mm-hmm. shit, like we get material for our work from Facebook. Mm-hmm. Old people are doing weird things. It's great. You can um, see things, you see some memes and they spark another, you know, idea in your mind or whatever. So it's helpful, but I definitely am not on it as much as I'm on other sites like Instagram, which to me is a visual um, a, a person who works with visual artists, yeah. Instagram is just a more well, yeah, that, and that's and that's the saving grace I think with Instagram is it kind of just you know it's it's kind of quick and it gets to the point and you know I'm a visual person too as a photographer as mm-hmm. well like it's just a medium that just makes more sense but but outside of that I'm just kind of just sick of all of them mm-hmm. you know what I mean because none of it is real you know what I mean now, and, what do we mean by that well this is the thing that I'm saying it's that you know we're talking about. What I think is very, very important when Andre 3000 talks about his insecurities or his anxieties or whatever, of course, there's going to be the people 
that do the same thing with athletes. Like, I don't know how you can complain. You make millions of dollars. You better sing. Right. If I could swing, you know, like people, people put themselves, they make it about them where they're right. like, oh, if I was given this opportunity, I would be this. But it's mm-hmm. like, it's kind of narcissistic in a way because it's just like you've turned this guy talking about his insecurities about you now. You know what I'm yeah, saying? Too crazy. And, and I think that it's the jealousy that when, when especially when white folks get mad at black athletes, mm. they're just angry that they're not Woo. black athletes, right? Woo. A bunch of his dick is big. You know what I mean? Like it's Listen. just all the jealousy. It's just you know when their wives start looking at pictures of LeBron, like I bet you he can dunk a ball. He's like, like fuck the Lakers. Sport, you know, sports, sports and race. I've had to stop listening to talk radio. I had to unfollow the only um sports pages I still follow are ESPN W, mm-hmm. um Jamel Hill. Jamel, my girl. Shout out to them because I, I could not follow the other pages because the comments were so trash. It's, it's so terrible. It's really it, bad. Race wise and gender wise. It's race, ridiculous. gender, and 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 when we're talking about like the divide of progressive and conservative people, mm. it's just you know, the the sucky thing about football specifically is that it's one of the last few places where it's acceptable to just be a horrible person as a fan, right? So, like, the, it's a Raiders game, you know. Raiders fans. It's like the the team lost, so the fans felt like they they had the right to throw shit on the field and say whatever they wanted. You know what I'm saying? It's gross. And and the thing about it is, you know, it could be a fucking doctor, it could be a fucking lawyer mm-hmm. that all of a sudden that they're they're logical people in any other setting except for that. You know, yeah. Um, but what I was saying about like, you know, uh, uh, it's not real is that I think a lot of artists would use Instagram, Facebook to make things look better than what they actually are. You know what I'm oh, saying? Yeah, that's, that's definitely still happening. And I think that's been a lot of people's criticism is this facade that um, artists, bloggers, influencers put up um, on, you know, we in the same place. But people it's not just on social media. Right. Like if we go out hey, to hey, a hey, holiday hey. announcement, was, announcement three minutes ago. Trump has been officially impeached. Woo! <laughs> oh my Three God. years too late, but confetti. Pretty much, right? Confetti. <laughs> I'm yeah. sure. Are they burning? Are the Republicans burning the House floor right now? Because they were hot this oh morning. Oh, my God. Like, they yeah. think this is a conspiracy. They have everything that he has said on Twitter, they have bought into so heavily that they legit have been ignoring any facts related to the case. They're like, well, there are no fact witnesses. The dude told them they couldn't come. Exactly. Like, he legit yeah. said, fuck y'all subpoenas. And then you're out here like, well, these people weren't even in the room. This one wasn't in the room. Well, he was uh, he was next to the phone. He heard the call. But, but, so I can't imagine that they are not, like, throwing shit. I feel like we need to get into English Parliament mm-hmm. and really just start screaming at people or, like, Indian Parliament and throwing shit. Because yeah. these these dudes are angry at each other. Yeah, the they British, need to go in. <laughs> yeah, real British Parliament, too, is like. It's, it's lit. It's kind of hard to take somebody seriously yelling at you and they're wearing a fucking wig. Yo, yeah. but they do it though. But they do it. You wow. Know. So the the wow. Yeah. I'm I'm wondering wow. if um, I'm wondering if any Republicans voted on impeachment. Yeah. Wow. So yeah. So yeah. Happy impeachment day. So this is the name of this episode. Mary impeachment is now very real. It, it's been a lot to follow. I always wonder what it would have been like if I was still teaching civics on um, while all of this was going on because this was one where we had sort of a clear case to follow but to me so much of what he's done has been eroding um 
eroding our democracy, eroding what we are known for, or what is our um, what the people use our representative, like mm. how you introduce yourself as a yeah. here's who I am. So uh, who we were to the world, our avatar, our yeah. avatar. If even if it wasn't always accurate, we know as black people they ain't always done. You know they haven't always walked the walk that they were talking. But yeah. at least some countries felt like they could count on us for certain things. And I think he was like, let me erode all this shit. You be thinking he's focused on like just Russia. He was like, but trees, do we need those? How about we? It be something that we yeah. was never thinking about. And I feel like he just looked at all these areas and was like, healthcare, fuck that, snap, meh, y'all need that. Yeah. Who are we letting into the country? No. no. Yeah, and I think, <laughs> and I think that you know, he answered the question. Him and like people like Betty DeVos, I always, Ooh. always, I always said this oh to my myself: you know, the bitch is a billionaire. Like Ugh. that's not enough, right? Like, why do you want this? this Why do you want this job that you're not qualified for? Ben Carson, we're also looking at you, man. Ben Carson, Ben Ben Carson Carson proved that um, amazing surgeons can be idiots. Like we burnt LeBron's jerseys, Cleveland, y'all did. (laughs) But did did we have like a mass burning of gifted hands? Did we miss that moment? Like, cause LeBron's jersey, y'all just overreacted. But gifted hands. Yo, did uh, Cooper Good Julia play Ben Carson in the movie? Yo. That book was given yo. to so many yo. black boys. Sixth grade. So many black so, boys. I so got a copy. Sixth grade, it was gifted hands. And in seventh yo. grade, it was my brother Sam is dead about the Revolutionary War. <laughs> so, yeah. Sam, is that a Southern thing? I no, don't no, no, no. I don't, I don't know. Sam I, I mean, dead. we didn't read that in Brooklyn. <laughs> <laughs> Um, what are so, you reading? What are you reading? What are you um, reading? So I'm currently getting into Patsy, one time for the Jamaican Massive. Mm-hmm. Um, so Patsy has won lots of awards today. It takes place in 1960s London, and it is a Jamaican um, woman who leaves Jamaica, goes to London, um, and it's super dope. So I'm reading that. I'm kind of seeing my mother's journey coming to America during that same time period um, through her story. So I'm reading that. So your mother's from Panama or Jamaica? So my mother is from Kingston, Jamaica. She mm-hmm. came here in the 1960s. My dad's family is from Panama, and they also came here in the 60s. Shout out to the Immigration Act of the. Are they? Are they? Are they? Are they vocal about their journey? Their journey to you? Absolutely, they are. I think my mom's story has some probably like a shady part that she doesn't tell me about. Mm-hmm. But mm-hmm. they are uh, my dad's story. I know front and back because of where they lived and the fact that it was a little easier to come over. They lived in the Canal Zone part of Panama. Mm-hmm. Um, which was American run, which also came with American segregation. It's a fascinating story for the nerds listening to go Google. All both of y'all. All both of y'all go Google to just understand what life was like in the Panama Canal um, in the 1900s. And so my my grandfather passed away. They took the insurance money. My aunt that was already living here was able to like sponsor all eight, ten of them to come over. Wow. They started a brand new life in Brooklyn. Um, oh, Brooklyn. Yeah, my grandmother's sister was also already here, so they had some foundation. Brooklyn had a heavy Caribbean slash West Indian population, so they did that. My mom came all by herself. Wow. Yeah, like she dipped out. Her mom said, go, like explore the world. And she came as like a 19 or 20-year-old or something, which is wild Shout and out. found her way. Man, that's dope. Yeah, so it's it's it's, it's definitely um, something that has shaped me as an artist, as an educator, um, as a person. Like most of my political interest comes from them. Caribbean folks were very involved in New York City politics mm-hmm. um, when they came. Of course, everything is popping, and they're like, "Oh, we love what we do this at home. Like we do this. Let's go." So shout out to people like Shirley Chisholm and a lot of first generation Una Clark. Um, Una Clark's daughter is still actually working in Congress um, right now. Vet Clark. Mark. So they're definitely families from Caribbean backgrounds that were big in politics in New York City. So my love for the conversation, why why I'm mad I don't remember that word, is that I've been heavily involved in this stuff. Yeah, it's the wine. Um, you ever think about running for any type of political office? Oh, gosh, office? no. You did, right? Did you run for Man, something? running is not the right word. <laughs> it was like a brisk walk, you know? 
and man, that was a man, that was a car crash, and and what it was it was the right idea, but it was the wrong situation because it. Someone asked me, someone gave me a call and was just like, "Yo, you know, we think you know the local city council needs to have a young black person that's involved in the art scene wow. to be a part of it." And it was like, "Yo, what about you?" And I was like, "Well, there's a few things that I wanted to talk about." Mm-hmm. I was like. I only do this if for a few things. One, I want all my campaign shit to look fly. I want all this shit to look dope. I don't want it to look like, you know, so I got uh, Marcus Kaiser. Hey, shout out to more Charlotte who, people. Who, who did some fly work. Matter of fact, I think I got one of the flyers on my I guess it's just expulsion. Hold to hold dig back, I think it's apparently just expulsion. expulsion. Yes, when the Senate. Yeah, because censure, censure is less than that. So it's censure and then above a censure. The censure is like, shame on you, preach. Yeah, this but is, the uh, expulsion is that. Kaiser, okay, right. so I'm looking at the design. To the back. Like I thought this shit was dope because I didn't want to look like yeah. a regular ass, you know what I'm saying, campaign thing. The second thing I wanted to do, I wanted to um, talk about community policing because cops and that was a big deal. Muy importante. Um, and then the third thing I wanted to touch on, we had the Confederate flag at the state house here. Yeah. And I drove by there today and thought about that. I oh, was it's, like, it's this gone is now. It was but, all popping. But it, but it's but it's gone because nine black people got murdered, and so for yeah. for all the the politicians that were acting like they were so gung-ho by getting that flag taken down, I just think it's just bullshit. Because every, because the gangster shit I did was, when I decided to get into the city council thing, I reached out to all the black council members and sure. say, and like, yo, let's have coffee. Support me. Oh, okay. well, not, no, no, okay. wasn't even just that. Wasn't even that because I think I think that would just be rude to say you don't support me. Mm-hmm. Because I think it's more important to be like, what are your challenges? What are the things you're interested in? The scarcity model puts so much fear in people's hearts who already mm-hmm. have power that they are not interested in supporting a lot of people who are coming up. And mm-hmm. then also, if you do not think about solving problems in the same way that they have, or you don't respect their struggle that they went through mm-hmm. to get there, they're not finna be behind you. Well, I just know that from seeing. Well, I here's my thing, and I think this is this is what I learned. There were great things that I learned about turning programming into campaign programming. Mm-hmm. Um. I have no interest in being a politician. I feel like I can do more as an artist with political pull mm. than a politician that's an artist. Um, well, I passed that off really nicely. Like, I had a career in the WNBA. Like, he was like, have you been a politician? I was like, no, but you. Like, um, <laughs> so, like, it was so smooth, my pass off, that, you know, I should be an all-star. All right, she's trying, to, she's trying to do the podcast. We have a co-host here. Co-host. So, um, I have never thought of, I mean, I'm probably, I've thought of it because I go to so many city council and county commission meetings. Mm-hmm. I thought mm-hmm. of it. I'm at those meetings pretty much monthly. Um, but I know that I could potentially one day work in public policy and help shape it. Um, so, think tank-wise or going to someone's city council, I mean, to city capitals or state capitals and working to help shape conversation and policy. I could do that. Um, I don't see me representing a district of people um, in any way as an elected official. Yeah. But there's one thing that came out of a Trump. What did you run for? Um, here's, the, here's the problem. It was city council, but it's an at-large seat. And get everybody with you. But that was the problem is that, and here's my biggest issue, and I'll, and I'll get off of it, was this. And this is what was disheartening with the local political process. The guy's seat that I was trying to go after, when he had previously won that seat. Mm-hmm. Previously? He, when pre- he, pre- when previously won that seat. Don't edit it out. Let it be Man, real. You, you fucking up the flow, nigga. <laughs> when he was running previously. When he ran that seat, got yeah. that seat previously. He raised eighty thousand dollars to get that seat. All right, now, now, the guy 
what I ended up doing is that I ended up pulling out of the race and ended up backing somebody else. Pull and the out guy, game strong. <laughs> I said again? Pull out game strong. There you go. <laughs> no, ki- <laughs> no kids um, that I know of. Japan was very fun. But when I pulled out of the race, I backed somebody else. And the person that I backed, he had raised 100 grand wow. to, to run. The guy he lost to raised 250000 and this is a local, this is a that's, local election that's decided my, by 5,000 people. That is my beef about it. Yeah. Is that l- local politics should be somebody in the community saying, hey, I'm committed here. I want to help. I want to be able to be a part of the process. When you have to raise six figures. Right. And to this guy, a quarter of a, a, quarter of a million dollars for a, a city council election. Mm-hmm. I think that's just very, very depressing because who the fuck is going to be able to compete with that? Are you pulling out pictures out of my book? All right. Wow, two I listeners. End, two I, need listeners. To, I need to end this podcast. She's finding wow. like childhood pictures and books. He's that got she's them so excessively right Whatever. there. Um, but yeah, local politics is wild. I'm always trying to press people to go out, vote, head up, you know, hit up your city council meeting because we get. We bind to hype as we do as a society with anything, right? So they yeah. told us, go shop for Halloween, get the candy. We mm-hmm. do the, get the candy. We do all the things they tell us to do. So they tell us that the nat- the presidential election is the most important. You've got to yeah. get out and vote. Maybe Congress yeah. also get a little bit of like, rawr, rawr, rawr. Yeah. But, but local, local elections, shit, yeah. you ever put up those numbers? The G- thing about it is when we think about, I mean, if we're talking about the presidential election in South Carolina, it's always going to be a, a Republican state. The, mm-hmm. thing about, the thing about Columbia, though, is that South Carolina is red, Columbia is blue. Oh, so like Charlotte. Charlotte yeah. is the blue dot and in the you, middle. You know Charlotte saying? and Durham and are so, the blue dots. And that's a, big, and that's a big deal when it comes to local politics because uh, you can see the numbers and a lot of local elections are based on 200 or less people. 200 or less. Like you, you it's, it's, it's in the low thousands. Um, for some districts, it's even low. It is frightening. Absolutely. How Absolutely. Many, the, so the tax that I referenced um, about two hours ago when we started, three hours ago at the beginning of this conversation, whoever was listening, <laughs> at the beginning I referenced a tax that didn't pass in Charlotte. Um, and it really was the whole county. So it was Mecklenburg County. And that, that thing only had, I forgot the numbers right now, but I, I think it was less than 20,000 people total voted for that, wow. which is wild. It, it definitely was less than 20,000 people. So it's just when we have these local elections, they they um, impact us in real ways that you can see, like your your policies that affect your block. Like it's a it's, it's hyper local when we talk about city Absolutely. council, um, and even state senate and things like that. So I know if you live in Durham and you listening, if the third person listening lives in Durham. It's probably going to be Chris. <laughs> hey, Chris. <laughs> Chris, you know, people out Chris there supporting the um, yeah. Young Freeline. Young Freeline is running for state senate. That definitely matters. Um, so support your people who are war- running locally um, for offices because those impact you greater than the people um, in Congress and in the White House do. Well, speaking of, of, of elections, Jamie Harrison is a black man that is running for the a Senate black seat. Man. Running for Lindsey Graham's city seat. Oh, Lord, we got to get that man out. Listen, and it seems that Lindsey Graham only has a two-point lead right now. How can which, we help him? What's his name again? Can you say his name again? Jamie Harrison. J-A-I-M-E go, go Google Jamie Harrison. Harrison. Um, I'll post this. Matter of fact, when I post this episode up, I'll have a link for you to donate to this campaign. Yeah. I've donated whatever little bit of dollars I had. I donated when people think it doesn't, it doesn't matter. It does matter. Um, also Lin Lin is wild. Like I don't know what he thinks the president's gonna do with him or has promised him, <laughs> but Lin Lin be out here representing it, that man so hard. Here's what disappoints me: is that two people from here, you got Lindsey Graham and you have our ex governor Nikki Haley. Oh Jesus! They oh, both Lord. vehemently hated Donald Trump. 
for them to now turn back around and to back this nigga just shows that they have no backbone. Where it's, where it's like, where it kills me, because it's like, I was, I was having a conversation about somebody like, you know, Ted Cruz, where mm. Trump talked shit about this man's wife. I mean, went in. Yo. It was like a rap battle gone dog, wrong. But, like, whoa, ease up, son, ease up. Like, yo, and he's still, and he's still backing this dude yeah. i'm like y'all are whack because y'all are all millionaires and they're afraid they're afraid of him because he's a bully right and will call right. anybody out he's shown that he is not afraid to talk nothing about nobody who who kind of says something about him yeah. so they are all at this point super afraid to oppose him because they think the base is gonna vote for him so they're gonna lose their voters but they also legit think he's gonna come for them yeah well the other thing too is that there was a poll that came out that showed the approval ratings and the approval ratings is really really spot on at black women being the 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 proper conscience of United States. So we as far as here. approval rating is concerned, you know, you got white men that are probably in their fifties, you got black men at fifteen percent, um, then you got black women at three percent. This for the current person they voted in the White House? Yes. Fifteen percent of black men back him? Well it, the approval rating is it his, the they approve rating. of the nonsense mm-hmm. he's doing. Well you know you know what it is, man, I think that oh, I'm exhausted. I think I think that black men probably associate with the idea like Trump more than they want to give credit to. Like like Ugh. I think I think I think that if you talk to an old black Southern man, they probably mirror closer to conservative white ideology mm. than progressive ideas. So anything that is talking about um uh, uh having rights to the LGBTQ community, anything talking about, you They're know with it. Uh, uh, with you it. know, uh things where more women are in um, professional places it's like you know you don't you don't when i had that meeting with um kamala harris i was quiet about it and i was quiet for a few reasons because i was a journalist mm-hmm. and i wanted to approach it from a perspective where it doesn't look like i was endorsing right. per se but the people i spoke to privately it's old black men you know ain't no black woman gonna beat donald trump blah, wow. blah, blah, blah. you know what i'm saying i'm yeah. like oh are you saying that People aren't going to vote for a black woman, or you're not going to vote for. You know what I'm saying? And and those are the things that you would probably hear conservative white men say. You know, Um, there are a lot of commonalities. It's it's really scary when you talk to some people for a good amount of time and hear a lot of what they believe about society. Um, and I think we haven't had a conversation about black folks' nativism and going back to like the 1800s use of the word nativism, which is what you see a lot of in the president Mm -hmm. and his backers. This idea that it's a space for us and nobody else here really welcome. I mean, if you talk to some American people of any color for a while, Mm -hmm. a lot of them are like, yeah. Why are you coming anyway? Yeah. So it's really scary, especially as a first generation um, American, as a child of immigrants, as people who my parents mm-hmm. are naturalized citizens. Um, black people always forget there's other black people who's not from here. Exactly. Um, I follow a page on Instagram called Undocu Black, and so it's about undocumented black people, which is a conversation that largely people think of non-black Latino folks mm-hmm. um, being undocumented, the dreamers and that sort of thing. But that page's goal is to talk about, like, hey, hey. We in the conversation too, or to Absolutely. remind people when they start talking reckless. I'm in the room too, yeah, so yeah. when you say them, uh, it me. It's us, yeah. It and me, I, and hashtag I think, it me. And I think, and I think that that's the best way to kind of dispel and to kill some of these things is like, yo, you gotta have you gotta have people that you know personally that look like you to be vocal about who they are and where they come from. Mm-hmm. You know. So my question would be this: Is that what do you think is going to happen in 2020? I'm afraid I barely got over 2016. I mean, I was I was deeply sad. I, we had a collective trauma, I oh, think, nigga, as a community. Right? Yeah, it's Man. a collective. It was a collective trauma. Um, these years have been, um, incredulous moment after incredulous moment. So for 2020, 
I watched a little bit of one of these debates of the um, the donkey side of the world, and it was not looking good. And I was like, y'all gonna let this trifling man who mm-hmm. dislikes everything that y'all have built about this country because y'all can't find the guts or the political strategy to combat him. Like, why are y'all letting them win like yeah. this when y'all have real things and y'all have people who believe in what you believe in? Yeah. Why have y'all not been able to strategize and come to the table with some great candidates as well as some actual factual um, rebuttals. Why y'all let him talk reckless like this on the internet? Like y'all ain't got no like y'all ain't about nothing. Y'all need some gangsters. Y'all, they need somebody. So these nine, ten, fifteen, sixteen people they got is sixteen still. How many people running on the, <laughs> right. on the Democratic side? I, like, I think it's less than ten now. Yo, but, I don't, I yeah. don't see none of them. Like unless dude literally gets now that he's impeached, unless he gets expelled from the office and That's cannot run. But uh, what I do need to check legally though is if you're impeached and still don't get expelled, can you run? Oh yeah, he's running. But no, like yeah. when they read the two charges this morning. That's what I'm saying. Like, if they still find him non-guilty in the Senate, do the charges mean anything? Because mm. the charges say that you can no longer hold office. Listen, no, he can. He can. I. I. Like, I don't can think, Bill hold office? Yeah, Bill still. You know, Bill technically got impeached. And, and can he hold office? Yeah, he ain't he, held no office. Well, he been assisted, folks. <laughs> he done been assisted. I don't think Trump is getting out. Um, and I and I fear that him getting impeached is gonna give them fuel. Oh yeah, if it's it, it, fuel. Could, it could. It could. Um. Um, embolden, and I say fan base. I'm not going to even say. Whew. I'm not going to say political base. I say fan base because when you look at this shit, it's a wrestling. It's a wrestling match, and I and I would blame, you know, the media in this regard too. The even the publications that I work for, when Trump first started coming to South Carolina to do these rallies, nobody mm-hmm. would show up to these things. Mm-hmm. Nobody was there, mm-hmm. and when he would say the craziest, dumbest shit publications like the ones I work for as well we would just we would print it now we thought it was news because you have a president presidential candidate saying mm-hmm. crazy ridiculous shit but all that free press that he got Helps. Trump was speaking from a guy that didn't think he was going to win yeah you know what I'm he saying he was talking reckless he and, has been talking reckless and I think that time. I think that it built a monster because yeah. my thing is like look you just got an old racist man that ain't got nobody at his rally talking shit we shouldn't cover this. And I think that that should be kind of a, a warning for how we handle things in the future. Because the same thing we're talking about press and media, um, same thing with Instagram for artists, is that what the thing that happened with the media, like back in the day, the greatest thing that happened back in the day when we talk about news, news was able to operate on a lost leader where, you know, CBS and ABC – and and um and NBC, the news department mm-hmm. didn't have to make money. Right. The news department was like, look, you do your thing. Everything else will offset that. We got this. Yeah. You know? And it allowed the news to be able to to speak on things that yeah. was important, et cetera, et cetera. As cable soon as you news, had a twenty four yeah, hour twenty four hour news cycle exactly. and cable news. Same thing with everything. Same thing with like ESPN. It's mm-hmm. like all of a sudden You need stuff to report. Yo, you're beholden to advertisement. Yeah. So when you have to fill twenty four hour news cycle when niggas do crazy shit, put it on there. You're like, let's show yeah. it. And so it was comical. Like, I think if we look back mm-hmm. at the footage and the coverage from 2015, um, it was like, this is comical. This guy, like, we clear, like, when I said it wasn't enough people to think that way, I really did because most of the people I knew were like, this is nonsense. Yeah. Why are we still talking to him? It's mad other people on the stage. Clearly, uh, and he bullied his way all the way through them other candidates, talked about them. Like, they really had just, they needed more rap battles. 
Yeah, they uh, needed more experience listen, talking to, down to bullies. To dumb rural white people, they take obnoxiousness as leadership, and that's not what Ew, it was. You know so what I'm saying? gross. And that's and that's what they thought it was. You know, they're like, oh, he doesn't. He's not afraid of it. No, he's a fucking idiot. He just doesn't know any better. Yeah. So none of these people that I see on the Democratic stage, like even if like I don't think they're well enough, mm-hmm. even if they get like the top three that they keep mentioning as the top three, which then is going to self destiny manifest itself as a th- top three. Mm-hmm. I don't think it has to be those three. I don't think it has to be Warren Sanders and Biden. It could have been somebody do, else out of that team do you think they're gonna tick it together because that's my thing is that do you think if if let's say warren and bernie were the top two could somebody swallow their pride and be like bernie be like okay i'll be the vice president let's go you know that was I mean? a really good burning. I'm really impressed. I appreciate it. <laughs> I, I I am really impressed. I'm gonna send you Instagram dollars. <laughs> oh shit, son. <laughs> yeah. But so the, I think I think happen? I think somebody from the team is gonna be the vice president. I don't think they're gonna pick a random person who wasn't part of those 16 people. Um, I I would doubt it unless they have a magical human somewhere that they're like, this is our winner. I'm gonna tell you. The, I'm gonna tell you the other thing I'm scared of now too, and this is the slight thing that I think is an advantage, but I still am not a, I'm not a fan of it. So. And this is like a local thing that's attached to this is that our mayor here is a black man, Steve Benjamin. I know him pretty well. Mm-hmm. He went public and said, yo, if Bloomberg runs for president, oh. I think I'll back him. And I felt like that was really fucking weird. That's I'm like, weird. I'm like, you never said anything about any of these candidates. But Bloomberg you coming out with. But he said that before Bloomberg went public. And oh, the, ne- the next day he went public. So I'm like, OK. Insider is- trading. So I'm like, this. <laughs> well, here's what happened when Hillary's emails got hacked. Mm. Our, our mayor, our mayor was on the short list for VPs. Mm-hmm. So he spoke at one of the the DNC rallies when when Hillary was running, and and his name came up for a possible vice president spot. And so I'm thinking, he's a mayor. Bloomberg's been mayor. Like I, some conversation came up that like, look, if Bloomberg wins, quote unquote wins, he has a seat in the office or or. Part of the administration. So he's trying to, oh yeah. Know. So Bloomberg is a no for me because of stop and frisk and my New York City ness. I, f- I feel that it's too. A no. And my my other reason he's a no for me. I don't want no billionaires, dog. It's scary. I don't give, this I don't one give a fuck. Is, nope. People be thinking, oh, it's a Democratic billionaire. Fuck him too. You think Mark Zuckerberg is doing well? Like yeah, and all, these... all, all the business stuff that this dude that we've seen that we don't have the legislation in yeah. place to make them have to lock up their shit. Exactly. Like all this, it's been kind up until now. We're well, like, that's... hey, we're gonna just put in a trust. Don't even you don't do anything yeah, with it. Exactly. Like we left so much up to them that when he came and started doing nonsense, we realized we didn't have legislation to block the things that people have just not been dumb enough to want to do. Exactly. And that, and that it's and, frightening. You got a hotel on Pennsylvania Street? Get the fuck out of here. And if I'm a foreign entity, I'm if I want to get exactly I'm my point. I'm booking the floor. Exactly my point. And 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 for for us to not twist the arms and say, hey, Shoot. you got to put this on a blind trust. You can't just be like, oh, my kids will take care of it. Your kids it, is also adjacent to the um to the yeah. administration. And then all of a sudden, oh, I'm put let me put my daughter's husband in the middle. Like, it's, Random shit. Like it's he's gonna so, fix world peace in the Middle well, East. The it just, fuck? It just showed. It oh, just showed gross. how much rich white people can just get away with. Because yeah. that's that was the only qualification Trump had was that he was rich and he was white. That's it. The, that's, te- that's the political that's TV it. shows did not lie to us on these. Like the political yeah. TV shows have set us up to realize, oh, all of that could potentially happen. But yeah, so um, Biden's answers to when somebody asked him about segregation, I think he started talking about feeding your kids or like being a good parent. And somebody asked him about like school segregation. Yeah. Like his answers are still on a no. I think they're like, well, he's a career politician. He's done so much. At this point, you're seeing the true him. And true him is hella unhinged. So if you put him against that current president, the two of them fools is going to be nonsense. I, I, I don't want to see them I debate. Promise, I promise you this, and I, I said this to someone 
if there's a Trump and Biden debate, my God, they're gonna fight. That's exactly what I said. I'm I'm not being sarcastic. I'm not being hyperbolic. I'm like I'm like yo, like like hyperbole. Like there's I'm not being sarcastic. Yeah, they will fight if they don't physically fight. Somebody is throwing a mic down. Somebody is like dipping out. Like it's going to be ridiculous. And whoever their vice presidents are is going to be interesting. And 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 my Kamala theory is that I don't bless her heart. I don't think that she wanted to become president. What do you think she wanted? I think she wants AG. Oh, I can see her doing that. That's what she did for California, mm -hmm. right? I think think that's what she wanted, you know. Um, I ain't got to get into the debate to do that, though, sis. Like, I feel like you can do the intros at the convent. Do something else. Man, the amount of free press you get by being a plausible candidate, quote-unquote plausible candidate. But where did Cory Booker's free press go? By poor man, I forgot he was still in the race. I was like, Cory! Cory, you're still there. At this point, I don't don't know what's going to happen. I'm really paranoid that Trump is going to get in again because here's here's my thing about this country and I think the country and the pendulum swing always goes to the worst of the country's sensibilities like mm-hmm. for an example if I, if you go back and look at like um reconstruction exactly <laughs> and so 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 my thing is this like so after the civil war and reconstruction is there what comes out of that hmm Ku Klux Klan you know cl- you know that's the pendulum shift of oh shit let's figure out a way to keep these niggas under control so same thing when if you move forward to Civil when rights t- movement. When we're talking about the Confederate flag here and specifically in Colombia, mm-hmm. you know, all of a sudden in the 60s, that's when the idea of these Confederate statues start coming up. Mm-hmm. And what was going on with the country, the possibility of civil rights movement, the possibility of a civil rights bill, you know what I mean? Possibility of black people voting. Right. So the, the Confederate monuments and statues, especially the ones we got here in Colombia, we're in the 60s mm-hmm. as a reminder, like, hey, man, don't y'all, uh-uh. And a lot of people got them in the 20s and 30s. So apparently Gone with the Wind turns 80 this year. And, you know, as a <laughs> as a cultural curator, I, I try to just be aware of different things. So I'm watching this making of Gone with the Wind, which I thought, I was like, this movie's old as hell. How y'all got a making of movie? Shit, but yeah. they found the old-ass actors and things that were in it. And so one woman with joy goes, wow, there was nothing this big um, since Birth of a Nation. And I listened to see if she was talking ironically, but we talk about the Confederates and the daughters of the Confederacy, daughters mm-hmm. of the American Revolution, mm-hmm. and those groups that got a lot of monuments put up in the 30s. Mm-hmm. And I think we forget that Gone with the Wind is really a part of that, right? Why do we have this yeah. movie about enslavement and these ridiculous tropes coming up? And I looked at it, it was such a celebration of foolishness. Yep. And and way quote unquote way of life that I was like we got to include Gone with the Wind in those conversations about these monuments that were put up yeah. to put you back in a place. So this is post World War One. And my and thing, this my is thing all is those, too, I'm wondering like I'm wondering because I've seen like footage of this where it was like, you know, specifically in the 1920s, what happened in the 1920s? 1920s is like the 50th anniversary of the Civil War. Mm-hmm. You know what I'm saying? And 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 somehow like. The people that fought in it, they're still alive. They're still you know alive. what I mean? They get to and, celebrate at this point. Yeah, we're gonna them. figure out a way to show you some love. And, and here's a and, monument yeah. for you. Here's your let's bring your flag back into um, relevance. Um, so the girls, the people who did the show with me, um, the nerdy night out where I did Josephine Baker, um, they came from New York. So they're having a lot of conversations that I try to help New Yorkers when they come to not say ignorant shit about the South, um, <laughs> or just don't don't ask dumb shit. Like y'all gotta. I think New Yorkers all need to live somewhere else for like a year to not be as ignorant as we are about what exists in the rest of the country. But they 
they come down and they're just asking me basic like PG things like, oh, should we curse you? How you think they're gonna react? Because we weren't <laughs> sure who was coming to the show. Like we're basically doing a drunk um, history thing that's cussing. Yeah. It's like you're telling the story like you're in a bar. So we're like, they're like, are we gonna be good? Like who do we think is coming? Are there like church people coming? We weren't sure who was coming, but we were so concerned about. They were concerned about language. Can we say cunt? Can we say you know like lady humor and things like that? Yeah. So we have this whole conversation about that. The second comic to go up tells a story about a world a civil war um spy who was pretending to be on the confederacy but she was a union spy Mm -hmm. when i tell you that fucking room was silent (laughs) and i had to look over and tell the girls who were still sitting with me i was like you realize you're talking about their grandparents right Mm -hmm. like you're sitting in the confederacy that joke don't fly here all the custom was fine everybody was good Mm -hmm. people had teenagers she told these confederacy jokes Mm-hmm. Bitch, it was a white woman too. Like she was super white in her whiteness, and I was like, "You are literally in the midst of the Confederacy. We got plaques. I live, I work on a street called Stonewall. It yeah. ain't for the Stonewall Inn, and it's not for LGBT rights. It's listen, for general listen, the Listen, the new, the new jamming part of town here in Columbia. Oh gosh, right? I'm concerned. Like it, it was, it was off of an area called North Main that used to be a, a lot of black folks that mm-hmm. was there and now you got a lot of black uh, a lot of white businesses going in kind of sure. kind of gentrifying the area sure. you know what they call that area i'm concerned what is i don't want to know cotton town no lord <laughs> no Yo, lord. they try to make that shit sound all like spicy oh Ooh. come to cotton town like it sound cool and shit like nigga nigga straight up like having white people saying yo my place is in cotton town it's like yo no. like what what are we doing? The obsession with cotton. Like, so we talk about the main things, the flag, obviously, the monuments and these things. But there is also a deep obsession with cotton. Um, Shout out. So there's a place called Black Cotton in Durham mm-hmm. that is reclaiming the narrative around cotton and selling it. Because leave it up to these white folks. And they're out here just loving on some cotton. It comes up a lot. And I'm like, that's not by accident that this is an aesthetic <laughs> yo, yo, that y'all love to use. I swear to God, straight up. Shout out to my homie that called me. I'm not going to call his name, but he owns a restaurant here. And he called me the other day, like two days ago. He was just like, yo, Preach, have you been to the restaurant in a while? I was like, nah, what's up? He said, uh, they brought something to my attention. Mm. And, it, you know, I didn't I didn't think about it. It was kind of a blind spot. Oh, so, gosh. like, they had this progressive, like, bar. It's a dope restaurant. It's a really yeah, great place. Yeah. And my guy, my guy's one of the owners. He's a cool dude. He's a great guy. But they didn't think about the idea that in the bathroom they had like a basket with like real cotton. Oh, <laughs> you know what I mean? Like like they can't like let how it, it go. comes off. Because it's like you know, oh, it's a southern aesthetic and blah blah blah. Is a mason jar? Was it in a mason jar? I don't know if it's a mason jar or not. But he called me and said that like somebody black like kind of like mentioned it to him and he kind of was like, yo, that wet my tent. Have you seen that? If you saw it, anything like that, can yeah. you tell me if we're being this way? And I was like, all right, I'm going to come in there and complain and get a free fucking meal because y'all some racist motherfuckers. Just, but, but just say no to cotton for the most part. It's like, it's like there's blind spots and I can't get mad if you're actively mm. trying to fix those things. My thing is, you can prevent it from happening when you have us in the in room. In the room, at the table, a part of the conversation. Absolutely. Like, um, don't call us for cleanup work. Yeah. Don't call us for, me, for, for janitorial, janitorial for services. Exactly. And compensate my consultancy. Either with some, that now that can be snacks. We're talking about not paying artists and snacks and yeah. drinks. I will consult for some, for some tasty vittles. <laughs> tasty vittles. Yeah, just I can just give you give you a rundown of what you might not want to do. That's probably some racist shit. So yeah, the South is interesting, but the girls they were totally thrown off by the fact that it was the Confederacy jokes. And when I say silent, I mean wow. I mean no no courtesy laughs. You know a nice little courtesy <laughs> laugh. There wasn't no courtesy laughs. People were staring at them. Um, even the black people were kind of quiet. Mm-hmm. And I was like, like you in the heart. 
you're yeah. in the heart. And I don't, they had not thought about the fact that that would be the thing to be concerned about going in or like setting that joke up differently um, because people are still very much a part of that conversation. This is people's great grandparents um, yeah. who were fighting and involved great, great or great grandparents, depending on how old you were. Jesus so Christ. yeah, it's a lot going on in our world as artists. I think it's our job to one, be the conscious. If we think of, um, if we think of James Baldwin, if we think of Maya Angelou and people like that, who we're also making art at tumultuous times, um, that it's our job to one, be a mirror, be a conscious and also be an outlet. Shit is tough. Life yeah. is hard. Like I want to make people laugh. I want to make people think, I want to make people see something beautiful, see something hard and then have an outlet to talk about it. Absolutely. And, and let's not get, um, dissuaded when the success comes because i think that ends up happening is that you my know, success is my success coming am i am i going to be famous when this is well my thing my thing is this, huh? I don't know, you can be might be infamous but uh, but what i'm know. saying is what i'm saying is is that you know black artists we have to have a habit of speaking on behalf of black people mm. and what ends up happening a lot of times is that as soon as we get you know under the wing the dragon wing of white approval that fight leaves you know Ooh, what I'm did you say Pharrell? Did you? Who, are you I, talking? Are you I talking would, to Pharrell? Man, I would say Kanye before Pharrell. Look, I don't think Pharrell sees color anymore. Well, my thing, my thing about Pharrell. <laughs> here, here's why I wouldn't give Pharrell as much shit as I would give Kanye, mm. because Pharrell never vocally tried to act as if he was speaking on behalf of black people. So like Kanye specifically is like, yo, George, George Bush, don't, Bush care about, yeah. don't care about black people. He did I'm have speaking, these vocal moments. I'm speaking for black people, but he, right. you know, all he his had girls, these vocal moments. All his girls are white. Like, you know, Amber something Rose doesn't add girl, up. You know? Something doesn't add up. <laughs> you, know? you know, and so that's why I get more frustrated with Kanye because I'm holding Kanye to the standards that he told us to hold him to. Okay. You know what I'm saying? And and he just totally just went off the deep end. So it's like, so Pharrell gets into these rooms and get weirdy and artsy fartsy and be around a bunch of white folks. I'm not gonna hold that against him because he never, he never came out the mouth as anything more than just some nigga that's just making some. I music. mean, he black from VA. Like I need him to know he was black from VA. He like gave, he gave us the clips. That's all we. <laughs> I had the beat ready for a moment. I was going to hit oh, it. I lived in VA for six yeah. years. I feel like, you know, I also rep VA two up, two down. One time for the VA people. Did you see the pictures from the um the Diddy um party? I did. And I they brought me great joy. Um <laughs> but when I saw Hope reaching out to um to dap up Mr. Make America Great Again mm-hmm. choir guy, mm-hmm. um, I felt the same anger I felt when the Obamas hugged these people coming into the White House. Mm-hmm. I legit wanted them to just side swipe them and get on the helicopter. Yeah, I yeah. And I was I, like, don't hug him just because you want to say it'd be odd, but we know how it is to be in these situations, right? Where you kind of accidentally hug somebody, you don't want to make it super awkward. Yeah. So you give somebody a dap. The, the difference between Obamas and 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 the Trumps is that at some point in time, I feel like Jay really had a genuine relationship with Kanye. True. And I think he was really, I think, I think Jay always made a, a deliberate decision not to air Kanye out. He tried, he did try, definitely. You know I felt like he tried to. And, and so, and to, and to a certain degree, I, I have respect for that. But at the same time, there's so much shit that, that Kanye just went on. Yeah, that first that, look is the honest feeling. This yeah, nigga here. Absolutely. Like, did he, you ain't have to invite everybody, Yo. nigga. Like, wouldn't nobody have noticed but he you, wasn't here? You know he like, got, wouldn't nobody have noticed he wasn't here? Jay got that Jay got that call. It's like it's like the call, like how many artists are in those? Who all gonna be here? Who, yeah. who all gonna be there? Some somebody got an ex wife that's gonna be in one of them rooms. You get that warning shot. You be like, Hey man, hey, 
uh, Veronica gonna be his, it's gonna be a problem. You but know like, what I'm but, saying? But then he had to put the forward in the picture, like, let's get in front of the Carrie Marshall. This is my my 24 million piece. Come in, everyone, come in front of it. Yeah, I mean, and, and I think, and I think, I think Jay will only do that for for Diddy. For Diddy, and I think yeah. I do think it was a good effort, like being in that room with those people. You know, who knows? Maybe something rubbed off to help him um, sort of turn the corner I, back again. I don't, I don't think so because oh, damn it. that was so. You didn't even let my hope live. No, let because, the hope live. Because I, I I wrote about this. I wrote about this when the the Kanye. Where'd you write about it? Where can people find it? Preach. I wrote for the Free Times. Oh, um, slash can they find the, it online? The Charleston Post and Courier. Yes, you can. Amazing. Um, I've seen the articles. And I know your ass ain't read it, but but no, it was one of those things where I talked about like, you know, it's the Apollo theory where where if you start singing at the Apollo and you're not doing well, you just start singing about Jesus and black people feel like oh, well, that, we, yeah, well, that's we can't what we can't boo Jesus. And so Kanye kind of went from saying all this crazy insane shit to all of a sudden doing a gospel record without any attrition in the middle of that yeah that attrition you, you, you know what i mean truth like, and reconciliation is real bro it, like it, you can't i'm not yeah. okay with this so so he's still supporting trump he's still wearing a maga hat it's he's still no. saying all this crazy shit and and black people are just like oh church service mm, mm, and then mm. and then here are, here are christians who have hopped in the conversation who were not a part of his earlier nonsense mm-hmm. or had separated themselves and then uh, somehow are like but can he not get saved too can he not talk about jesus and, and I'm like, did y'all miss all the other shit he but, said? But here's my thing about it's it. It's not genuine. Sit down. Here's my thing, too, is that people can talk about somebody being saved, but he showed no indication of that. When when the if you, when I was looking at my phone when that Yay album came out, the previous thing that came out that was like right beside Jesus is King was that song he had with a little pump. Um, the mm. I love it song. Mm. You're such a fucking whore. Thank you for singing it for me. It. I, like needed that it. I needed it. Yeah, Thank absolutely. You. Thank you. So so my thing is it's it's the argument that I had with the Dylan Roof shit that I got really frustrated about mm. when they made that documentary about the Charleston Nine stuff where these black families were saying that Dylan Roof, I oh, forgive you. Gosh, it was gross. And that 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 really frustrated me. But my thing was, what are you forgiving? Because right. there's been no attrition. There's been no Listen, and the thing <laughs> and the thing that killed me the most about the documentary, because I wrote about this in the write up that I had, was that they didn't put this in a the documentary. They showed all these black families say they forgive Dylan Roof for murdering their family. Mm. But they didn't say, they didn't show what Dylan Roof said immediately after that. Dylan Roof was just like, yo, my yeah. opinions my opinions haven't changed. I still feel like I had to do it. Yep, I so, like the southern accent, so, like the little twang. And so that. this whole thing where, where we're forgiving without... It'd be day of. It'd be day of. Like, you didn't exactly. give yourself human time no. to process. Again, feel your feelings, right? Exactly. Feel your anger. Feel your, your sadness for losing your love. When you hop out, I mean, a lot of that is a conditioning um, and this idea that we have to be so forgiving. A lot of it is in our, our DNA of being nurturers or being kind and I'm like fuck that shit like I'm upset there is no forgiveness of this person um, for what Kanye is doing I grew up in church spaces okay mm-hmm. in the 90s everybody made a Christian version of whatever was on the radio <laughs> exactly. so people thought what he was doing was new I was like Kirk and them everybody and them mm-hmm. been doing this where we had a version of a church song because people wanted to sing that song in church so what he's doing is not new he got some fire vocals I'm looking at those people sideways like I don't know why y'all singing with him with those fire vocals please take those harmonies elsewhere Yeah, but they sound good but I'm still not I have not downloaded and I ain't bought nothing yeah. I ain't watched no whole live stream from Coachella from nowhere yeah, because fuck, I don't support him yeah fuck all that shit but you know hey, I don't support him it's another story for another day alright yeah. anything else we need to touch on we've been, we've been um, oh my gosh see things follow me at Art Loving Aries I post a lot of what is going on in arts and culture in the Charlotte region but also nationwide what is happening in black arts what's happening in black visual arts theater all of that so follow me on the Instagram for arts things support your local theater wherever it is you three people listening support local theater support local hip-hop 
Um, so they can find me doing things on stage. My one woman show, Black Girl Laughing, will hopefully be out. Don't steal my title. Five oh, black people girl listening. laughing. That's what I'm gonna do. Oh, yeah. <laughs> those people. <laughs> um, so black girl laughing. Hopefully, will be out early next year. I'm hoping for March. Um, so I'm excited to put that new work out in the world because black laughter is revolutionary. It is resistance. Shout out, shout out. All right. Well, y'all know me. If y'all listen to this podcast, this is Preach Jacobs. Thank you guys for listening. Find me on all social medias as Preach Jacobs. And this is once again the Negro League podcast. We are sponsored by Mo Better Soul Clothing. Go to mobettersoul.com bitcartel.com enter code negro to save 10 percent. we are also negro. sponsored by down east records go to downeastrecords.com and down east records on instagram for your vinyl needs we have great uh shipment off options as well so if you're out of the country no problem we'll ship that shit to you downeastrecords.com down east records on instagram and all the social medias enter code negro as well <laughs> to save 10 percent. thank you guys for listening happy impeachment day this is the negro league podcast peace <laughs> One won't soul. be the problems. Ladies and gentlemen, this is the Negro League Podcast. We go by the name of Preach Jacobs. We're sponsored by Mo Better Soul Clothing. Go to MoBetterSoul.BigCartel.com. Enter code NEGRO to save 10%, motherfucker. We're also sponsored by Down East Records. Go to DownEastRecords.com and Down East Records on all the social media for your vinyl needs. They also have great deals on shipping. Also, enter code NEGRO to save 10%. We got a guest in the motherfucking building. What up, nigger? Hi. Tell the people who you is. I'm Brian. Hi, Brian. I, you know, on the way here, I was like, I'm going to say some dope shit, and I'm going to keep saying shit. But yeah, I'm, I'm Brian. You're Brian? Okay. B. Lenny, uh, street poet. Nah, I can't use that. Somebody else say street poet. Annette Jonesy last week? Yeah. Jonesy had like 30 aliases in the Keeper of the ring, sitter of the throne, <laughs> shit on the potter. Yeah. Um, hey, hey. Yo. <laughs> We also have Infidel in the back. We just got done doing a, a Thelonious Drunk. Um, so. Infidel. 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 I blow you. Oh, oh, oh okay. No, okay. This episode is called Pause. <laughs> pause, Grandpa. Pause, there, there might be a whole lot of pause moments in this. Now. Listen, shout out, to, yo, shout out to Regina King for being an Oscar winner. <sighs> My God. For 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 being a uh, Golden Globe winner. My God. For being an Emmy winner. My God. And also doing the voices on Boondocks. My God. And she's 50. No, she's 48. Four, she, she close to 50. Yeah. We'll see. And bad. Yeah, I love Regina. I don't know how many country people we got out here, but she fine as frog hair. Man, that's She's my, slicker than possum shit. My, that's disgusting. You ever see the possum in the can? You ever see them shits? Who, who the fuck eating possum in the can? I ain't eating it. I'm asking well, if you Okay, it. I'm from the country. I ain't gonna lie. I'm from Darlington County, and the, the initials of that is D.C., uh-huh. deep country. Uh-huh. Ah! And I've seen some shit come across my plate. I have never eaten possum. Yeah, never eaten possum? Pass on it. Okay. Pass on it. And I had one of them stepfathers. That will like cook shit and not tell you what it was until you. So <laughs> yeah, nigga, you had possum. You know what you eat, right? You know what you eat, right? God damn, man, what I ate? Yeah, that was like, shark. You sound like what that. Hell, uh, you getting shark in the country? <laughs> it's like <laughs> it's like that Bernie Mac joke when he was just like, man, you know this woman asked me a crazy question. She came up to me, and said Mac. She was like, that's my name. She said, this pussy tastes like pumpkin pie. I said, don't ask me no crazy question like that. I ain't never had no. Pumpkin pie. <laughs> yo. yo, if you ever go back and watch Bernie Mac's first time mm-hmm. on um, Def Comedy Jam. Genius. It's the greatest six minutes I've ever seen anybody mm-hmm. do. Like, he mm-hmm. killed that shit. Mm-hmm. Do you know the backstory to that shit? No. So, Pete, so the whole thing with his tagline 
when he was just like, uh, you know, I ain't scared of you motherfuckers. And the whole thing when he was telling King Capri, kick it, whatever. Yeah. He did the I ain't scared of you motherfuckers thing by an accident or it wasn't planned because it was somebody that went on before him and that nigga bombed. Because it was oh. a it was a tough, rough crowd oh. that that they just had no mercy for that nigga. Mm-hmm. And so imagine Bernie about to come up next. He tells Kid Capri, yo, when I say kick it, can you play some music or whatever? So when he come up to them and he's like, I ain't scared of you motherfuckers, that was in response to that other dude bombing yeah. before that. Yeah. And that yeah. became his his catchphrase. Kind of like ain't 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 the dude that just left. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. You know? And that became his shit. Yeah, Yo. that's dope. Yeah, you know what was so dope, man, about early comedians? Everybody had to pay their dues. Absolutely, there was not a YouTube for you to put out these random ass videos mm-hmm. and start getting movie lines. Like these superstars now that have been that have been around since like the eighties and the nineties, they were doing like restaurant sets. Like they would go to the the grimiest places and do sets mm-hmm. for people for free. Exactly, just to do what they had to do, just to get their craft. Now you put out a few YouTube videos, you get a million views, you want to get paid for everything. Well, that's the thing, too, is that, you know, I, I think comedy, and, and especially being in hip-hop culture, mm-hmm. it's kind of taking the same route where, you know, those quote-unquote dudes, it's like, you can, if you're a musician, everything can be done on your computer. You can you can record the album on your computer, make the beats on your computer, mm-hmm. do the artwork on your computer, release it digitally. So you can create a quote-unquote fan base without meeting people and touching people you know without being physically there like that's where the um what's that singer summer who's going through some shit what's her name i forgot her last name summer walker i can't remember but yeah 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 summer walker that's her yeah she has an amazing album Mm -hmm. but she has like a really terrible phobia about performing live yeah she has a lot of internal mental issues going on yeah and so and so her her fandom kind of went in reverse where she kind of got famous for being a musician but she didn't get famous for, you know, doing it in the way of, you know, let me do the shows, do the tour, mm-hmm. then build my fan base. She got famous, and then now they're trying to figure out a way how for her to tour. But see, the thing is, give 20, 30 years ago, she would have made it. Yeah, you Because right. that is part of what record labels and producers were looking for. Can yeah. you perform? Mm-hmm. And can you entertain? Well, the other thing, too, that I think has happened with with labels and shit like that is that back in the day, and I've seen this, two things happen. It's like um, labels don't have, like, artists in development anymore. No. no. You know what I'm saying? Like, like mm-hmm. I used to do radio when I was in high school, and you would see, you know, Field Bob being brought to the studio looking like, you know, fish out of water. You know what mm-hmm. I'm saying? Mm-hmm. Not knowing how to conduct interviews. Mm-hmm. You know, if there's like a, a, a female host at a radio station, they try to dap them up. You know, you know what I'm saying? Yeah, yeah. And and not knowing how to conduct themselves. And so there was a guy that I knew that used to work for Bad Boy. And his job was, yo, when 112 got signed, I'm going to get these niggas teeth fixed. <laughs> you know yeah, what I'm saying? Yeah. Like, like let's, let's, let's figure out how, you know, we're going to do training on how to do interviews, do training on how to perform live and all that type of stuff. It was packaged. Yeah. 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 Now, so I think that, there has to be a balance because I think that the good part about it being easier for people to get out there is that it, it offers an opportunity for people that wouldn't have gotten it back in the day. Mm-hmm. But I also think that that ground level analog shit of meeting people and being around people is gone. You yeah. know, yeah. Have, have you seen that, um, that interview with, uh, Andre 3000 and Rick Rubin today? I have not. No, I didn't see that. One. So Andre 
Um, it's on my timeline. I think I saved it to watch it later. Well, he made a comment about being insecure about his music. Mm-hmm. Because like, he's an artist. Well, yeah, but so here's, here's what the question is, because I, I had a conversation about this, is that he's he's insecure thinking he's not dope enough or not good enough. He thinks mm-hmm. that, that it's not going to work out, blah, 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 so he's afraid to put new music out. Now, as an insecure artist, mm-hmm. we all have gone through that. Mm-hmm. But is it different because everybody holds Andre 3000 at the highest regard of talent? I think here's the thing with Andre, mm. uh, as as it is with a lot of musicians mm. um, and anybody who's really good at their craft. It takes a certain level of uh, mental imbalance to create great shit. Yeah. Because you you don't want to put out anything. Yeah. And that's what's lacking in hip hop. You don't want to put out anything. You don't want to put out those subpar shit. And he was talking about... um. He just wasn't ready. Like you say, he wasn't ready. Yeah. Uh, he didn't feel like he was mentally ready to put out an album because he doesn't want to put out bullshit. Now, the thing is, with the new artists today, they don't care. Well, here's my question, though, because this is this is where I'm trying to figure this out about what switch would have. And I have a theory, but I'm interested in seeing what you think. Okay. Because Outkast, you could book it. Every two years, they had an album. Mm-hmm. So Southern Playlistic, 94. Mm-hmm. AT Aliens, 96. Woo! 98, yeah. uh-huh. uh, uh 2000, Stankonia. Mm-hmm. You know what I'm saying? Mm-hmm. Like, like that was their run from 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 every two years, from from 94 to right around 2000, and then you ended up having like um, 2002, 2003, mm-hmm. Love Below, Speaker Box. Them niggas came out with an album every two years. Mm-hmm. Then somehow something shifted where he's insecure. He doesn't want to do music anymore. Well, he looked around. At what's happening now with with hip hop and music, mm. nobody wants a classic album. Mm, okay, and he sees everybody putting stuff out that's popping in the club for a little while, and it fades into obscurity. Mm. Doesn't want that to happen to him. He wants to put out another classic album. Well, something that we're gonna talk about ten, fifteen years from now. Well, how many? How but many? Wait, but these, we're doing but, that already. But for listen, him. but yeah, for him, yeah, but. What, but if it's if it's subpar, we're gonna call them out on it. You I mean, my thing, my thing is now. How many of these guys that's out now? How many like you ran down all of Andre's albums? Mm-hmm. Ten years from now, how many of these kids gonna be able to run down these guys' albums that's out now? Well, I think they're gonna are, be able to run down the singles. There's, I think there's a few people that are of that elk, and I'm gonna tell you my Andre theory in a second, mm-hmm. right? I think that if you look at the Kendricks. Mm-hmm. As much as people try to hate Drake, Drake has had a, a, a decade run. Yeah, you can hate Drake, but Drake, he's had ten. He years. He found something. He yeah. found a niche. Yeah, yeah. So he's had like a ten year run. Yeah, and then and then I, I know some people are on the fence about somebody like J Cole, but those are three people that I see like on the upper end of the hip hop. King shit. of Diamonds was the greatest album of two thousand. Which one? Seven. King of Diamonds. Okay, you think so? Okay. Yeah. Okay, um, I think the Little Brother album was my my, my favorite album of the year. You okay, said, okay, you talking about uh, I think King of Diamonds came out two thousand seventeen. Okay, okay, twenty so seventeen was was that twenty seventeen? I think I, I my phone's back there. I, I'd have to Google it. Fuck it. You want you want to talk to Google? Go ahead. Hey Google, when did King of Diamonds come out? According to Wikipedia, King of Diamonds, a nineteen sixty one sixty two American TV series. <laughs> She knew to shut the hell up. You ain't. You, that's not what I was talking about. Well, fuck Siri, it. Whatever but fuck it. Is. But um, Alexis, oh, Alexis. Alexis. You know that on on Amazon you can get Samuel Jackson do your shit. Yeah, you know? I know. 
I wish I could know that shit with the head, but this is Google. It's not Alexa. But anyways. Hey, but we don't want you fucking jerking off the whole time. Jerking off the who? I'm going to jerk off the Samuel Jackson. Yes. Morgan Freeman, maybe, because he'll probably narrate it. He's like, let's preach against oh. the coconut oil. <laughs> Pause. You either get steady coming. <laughs> steady dry jacket. I fucking hate both of y'all. But now, like, all right. So here's my Andre 3000 theory. Okay. I don't think it was the, I don't think it was the fear of making a classic album because they made the classic albums. You know what I think the worst thing that happened to him? What? Hey, yeah. Yeah, I think that broke him. Because there was a MTV I remember he did that. video award. And remember yeah. at the end, because the first, because I watched it live, and then the second one, they tried to cut it out because they wanted Hey, Ya to be the last song. And he said before the song started, he's like, for the millionth time, Hey, y'all, God damn it. One, two, three. Nine, yeah. You know? Yeah. I knew right then and, and he there. Felt, you could tell Yo, he felt like he was tap dancing. Dog, because it's like white gloves. On I mean, there. I think he believed in the music, but when you're that big, mm-hmm. I don't think he expected that because because mm-hmm. Outkast was the niggas that were ours. They were they belonged to hip hop, but they had the respect of international shit, yeah. right? Yeah. Like, and and then when white people get a hold of you, all of a sudden they want you to be theirs. Which is kind of my beef with the Lizzo shit right now, right? Mm-hmm. It's that I think I feel weird. I always feel weird with white people in black culture because I feel like, especially with hip hop, right? Hip hop operates at its best when it is specifically designed for black people. That don't mean that that don't mean that white people can't appreciate it. That don't mean that they can't participate. Mm-hmm. But like when you look at Kendrick when he did "To Pimp a Butterfly," that was an album for us. That yeah. was a black ass yeah. album yeah. that was dedicated to us. Hip hop in its greatest form is when it's speaking to us because it's our culture. Mm-hmm. Now, when I'm gonna tell you the thing that killed me with Lizzo, because when I first I heard the Juice record, and I thought it was dope, you know. Then I saw her on Entertainment Tonight, and this white chick was talking to one of the hosts, which was like, "All right, Lizzo, I just got your DNA test, and it says you are 100% that bitch." And as soon as I saw that, I said, "It's over for me." Mm. You know what I'm saying? Mm-hmm. It's like, all right, look here, white lady. You think you just got a slick way in calling a black woman a bitch? <laughs> you know what I'm saying? Yeah. Like, 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 you yeah. know, like that's like a white bitch. Like, you are 100 percent that nigga. Like, yeah. you just, you just sneaked <laughs> yep. and tried to get that in there. But as soon as they get their hands on you, mm-hmm. that type of fame could be intoxicating. Mm-hmm. You know what I'm saying? And then there's another part about it where I feel like I think she's insanely talented. But I feel like now she's becoming all of the all of the antics and not about the music anymore. You know what I'm saying? Yeah. And so I say that to say somebody like Andre, that shit fucked him up on some Dave Chappelle shit. And he don't want that again. He don't want that, that to happen. Yo, because that Chappelle shit. Like yeah. he Andre after after that, he just fell back. He's like, I'm mm-hmm. good on this. You know, he's like, mm-hmm. ah, I'll do idol. And it was a genius move because it made us want more. Just like like you said, the Chappelle shit. Yeah. Like, he knew he could have did five more seasons with Chappelle's show, but it wasn't going to be his shit. Which, I think you're spot on with that, because I think the, I think, because Rick Rubin kind of called Andre out on this, where he basically said, you know, Andre, you're living the life that you want to live. Because Andre is just basically just doing what the fuck he wants. Like, he'll mm-hmm. go to airports, playing the flute, chill out, make some, like, Anita Baker shirts and shit like that. He's just not making music. Mm-hmm. If Andre could figure out a way to do the musical version of what Dave Chappelle is doing as a comedian, I think he'll be happy. 
You're probably right. Yeah. And I think that's what he's doing. That's what he's trying to find. That's why you catch him in the at the uh, uh, outside playing the flute and shit. He's trying to find a platform to find peace. But on top of that, too, the whole white people thing, I don't like Andre 3000 going to airports playing the flute because it sounds really weird because white people be on that that magical Negro shit. <laughs> well, that, well, who did it? Um, Badu did it, too. She went on the... Uh, the subway singing and shit. Yeah, you know, and, and nobody gave a fuck. Nobody, <laughs> nobody gave, gave a, a fuck. fuck. You remember you saw the thing where she walked up on the news reporter and kissed him on the cheek and was like, get away from me, bitch. Yeah, right. <laughs> <laughs> but if he knew it was Erica Badu, he'd have, they'd have cut the commercial and came back, he'd have had on a bow tie and a, nah, she was a like short pants suit set. Yo, for, for whatever's worth, Erica, Erica, don't fuck with no whack rappers. All right, so check it. Her first baby is uh, Andre's baby. Mm-hmm. The second one, do you know who the second baby daddy is? Um, not Jay Electronica. No, well, that's the third one. Yeah, the second baby daddy, huh? No, 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 no. They ain't got a kid together. The DLC, really? Motherfucking DLC. Oh yep. wow! Because they both from Texas. Uh huh. So like they knew it. Yeah. So like the DLC is the other baby. If uh, these uh, kids don't put together the most amazing rap group, dog, right? <laughs> Yeah, I've seen in my life. She doing the Jackson Five shit with it. Well, her yeah. daughter is Give just. It what? Give it what? Like seven years. Yeah. Before they fucking drop that shit. Her Yo. daughter is just as like off the wall as she is. Yeah. Like if you look at some of the things that her daughter be doing, they're hand in hand. Well, here's the thing I saw, and I saw this in, in re- reflection of um, Jada and Will, where I remember when um, Jalen was talking about going to the prom, dressed as Batman and all that shit, and somebody said this. They said. As weird as we think Jalen and Willow are, Jaden and Willow are, mm-hmm. they were like, this is the first time you've seen free black kids. Yes. You know what I'm saying? Yes. Where, where it's like the parents basically like, yo, you got the freedom to, mm-hmm. to let this come out. You got the freedom to be as creative as you want. Yes. You have the freedom. You know what I'm saying? So when you look at. Erica and her kids, mm-hmm. I think that falls into the the same vein as all that. You're right. You know what I'm saying? You're right. You're right. And I think people need to notice these kids have no restraints. They go where they want. Mm-hmm. They don't have to worry about anybody telling them you don't belong here. You look mm-hmm. too thug. Yeah. These are free black kids. And if we all acted, if we all acted on the impulses that uh, Willow and, and Jaden acted on, imagine how happy everybody yeah. would be. So here, here's my question, right? Better... Uh, Discography, mm-hmm. Badu or Jill? What do you go? What do you gravitate towards more? Uh, Badu or Jill? That's mm-hmm. I don't need this kind of negativity. I'd I'd have to go with with Badu because she has a lot more. Um, she has anytime music. Mm. Okay. I mean, you could find something to get you hype with 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 a Badu with a Badu album. Mm-hmm. You could find something to just sit back in your house and drink. You know, brown liquor with, you know, she has with everything. Daiko. The only thing Badu hasn't made is like I hate nigger music. Well, I I can't think of nothing. You, is Tyrone close to that? Because remember Andre you're right, you're Andre right, ca- right. Andre called her out on that shit. He was just like, um, he talking about it's uh, it's almost Tyrone and it ain't my name. You know what I mean? Like yeah. like like, and it wasn't. And even still, it was like. It was still kind of catchy, like yeah. it was still because like for f- Jill's first album was like there was a large percentage that was like corny nigga shit, right? Mm-hmm. Like like if you think about it in hindsight, you remember that little the the, the the snippet that she had when she was just like went to the grocery store and uh and she was just like 
uh, I went to the store because my man gave me good loving, and she's doing this yeah. whole thing. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And she had the the the, the grocery line, and the bitch started sniffing, and mm-hmm. like, and the bitch got done, and she was just like, I don't know what the nigga name was, Tyrell, right? Hey, Tyrell, Tyrell, right? You know, like she went to, <laughs> she basically said that she went to the grocery store, and some woman like ringing her up could smell her nigga. On yeah, her. smelled the cologne of another nigga. On yeah, her, of her nigga. On her. Yeah, <laughs> it's like yeah. he's like it's a. My, your man also got jupe. <laughs> Hold on, I got a lot. I got a lot. To All right, man, you gone? Hold on a second. Dre, Dre gotta go home. Hold on, so we gonna pause it. Nigga. All right, we back. Dre had explosive diarrhea, and he was nice enough not to shit at my house, so yeah, he had to go home. Yo, that. man, uh, hope you get that under control. I need you to eat toast, toast, and soup until you can shit normally again. What? Yeah, yeah, man. That's the secret, man. All right. Appreciate the shit and secrets. Yeah, you probably need that. Every- <laughs> well, no. All I gotta do is drink some milk. That shit come out like a runaway train. <laughs> Why are we talking about this? Lactose intolerant. Yeah, yeah. I I don't tolerate shit. I hate it. Okay. All right, we were talking about Badu. Oh uh, well, I got uh, see. And here's the thing with with Badu and uh, and Jill, Jill. Scott. Mm-hmm. I think Badu is the only female artist. I well, not the only, but one of the few female artists I know that people sing random shit that she did. That's that wasn't even out. Mm. Like I heard somebody sing an Orange Moon the other day, and that did yeah. that even come out on the radio? No, that wasn't. See, that wasn't that's what I'm saying. Today. It's just the random shit she did, and everything's so dope. You know, I think that if we look at Baduism, which is probably twenty twenty one years old now, mm. mm-hmm. she just was oozing with like ridiculous personality. Yeah, where. It was something about her that said, look, even if y'all niggas don't like what I'm doing, I know I'm dope. I'm I'm good. Mm-hmm. You know, which is which is ironic that her and Andre were together because that insecurity that Andre is expressing, mm-hmm. I mean Erica might have that, but she's quiet about it. There's nothing about Erica that seems insecure. No. You know what I'm saying? No. And 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 I think that that's pretty I think that's pretty uh fascinating in a way. Because there's tons of artists that go through that. Like, she kind of has this quality of, this Prince quality, where when I'm thinking about Andre, I think that Andre went through this thing that D'Angelo went through. Because the thing that, Coke, the thing that ruined D'Angelo. Coke? Huh? What? Huh? (laughs) (laughs) We know what ruined D'Angelo, goddammit. The brown sugar, baby. Oh, man, stop it. Stop it. I get high off your (laughs) love. Stop, stop talking about D. Nah, um, how does it feel? So Questlove talked about it in his book. If you haven't read it, I'll let you hold it. It's yeah. uh, So Questlove talked about how, you know, he was all about the music because when, when Voodoo came out mm-hmm. and How Does It Feel came out. It's an album. Yeah. It's probably my favorite album yeah. of all time. And, and it's like he basically said that like they'll go to these shows and just bitches don't want to hear the music. They be like, "Oh, take off your shirt." Blah 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 blah. You know what I'm saying? Mm-hmm. Like, mm-hmm. And, and it fucked with him because he doesn't want to be that. He doesn't want to be the sex symbol because, like, he's one of those people that genuinely just wanted to make music. And that was my theory with Black Messiah because when Black Messiah came out, yeah, there was like an announcement on on a Tuesday, and it was like, "Yo, this album's gonna drop on Friday." Mm-hmm. There was no there was no promotion. Mm-hmm. There was no hype. There was no articles in a magazine, and and people thought that he was trying to be creative on some Beyonce drop shit. I don't think that was that. I think that he would have been so anxious with any anticipation and would have drove him crazy. 
You know what I'm saying? Yeah. So if, like if you if if a record label had six months to promote that shit, be like yo, in six months this D'Angelo record is coming and blah 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 and interviews. I think that would have drove him crazy because he was probably so insecure about the music mm-hmm. that in his mind, let me just put it out. So if people don't like it. I don't have to build up this anticipation yeah. to disappoint him. You know what I'm saying? Yeah. So I would say, I think Prince kind of handled it the best because I think Prince was this extremely socially awkward person yep. that turned it into a mythology. But you you know the the thing that's that you're connecting these artists with Prince, Andre 3000, D'Angelo, they didn't want the fanfare. Mm-hmm. They wanted to make music, and they were so mentally disturbed by all the hubbub. It it pretty much destroyed all of them. Shout out to a black man using the term but, hubbub. <laughs> <laughs> but what they did put out was amazing. Absolutely, and yeah. that's what I I think that's what record companies or promoters or whatever need to look for when they're finding new artists. They need to find somebody who's battling with something mentally or battling with something emotionally because you'll get a better product. Now you're finding these guys who are overly fucking confident. Yeah, I that's, think everybody want to hear that's, this shit. And that's the worst thing. And that's the thing about the social media thing is that is that if you do something and you see that you got like, you know, a thousand likes of something, mm-hmm. there's an inflated sense of not only security, mm-hmm. but there's an inflated sense of, of like people thinking you dope. I mean, think about it like this, right? This is exactly what I think the generation created, you know, society created Trump. And I think hip hop society, kind of the same way, created Takashi. You know what I'm saying? Mm-hmm. Like he was a combination of everything that was wrong with all of music altogether, mm-hmm. right? He kind of he kind of came out of nowhere. We didn't have any talent. It was overhyped. Here's the worst part about the Takashi shit. To me, was that the old niggas that attached themselves to him. You know what I'm saying? Yeah. It's that Kanye wanted to do a record with him. Yeah. You know, Fifty did a record with him. Mm-hmm. Nicki Minaj did a record with mm-hmm. him. Especially when he was doing all this crazy shit yeah. that he should, you know, that he's in trouble with now, and name is fucked up in the streets. All this shit, the OGs in the game were so concerned about being relevant that they didn't call this nigga out on it. You know what yeah. I'm saying? And so he was a conglomerate of all the things that was wrong with mm-hmm. the industry, kind of like put together. Mm-hmm. And that's somebody that like had all this attention and they didn't deserve it. Yeah. You know, you're right. Um, so I, I, I hope people like Andre can kind of find some kind of balance with it because it sounds like he still wants to make music. And from what I've heard from producers I know in Atlanta, he has music. Like he got like 100, 150 uh, records just chilling. Like I said, these people are, they hold on to shit that they well, don't think is up to par. We'll think it's dope, but they know something is wrong with well, that music. He, here's what I've learned about being an artist and passion. Passion is like fucking and this is why I say it, is that a lot of times if we're not good at something, we stop. Right? Except fucking. Okay. You 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 feel yeah, 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 Except me. fucking. So I'm it's like so if a nigga is like five foot five and they think they're gonna be in the NBA mm-hmm. and they get on a basketball court and get blocked, then they're gonna be like, All right, I ain't gonna try to be in the NBA no more. Mm-hmm. You know what I'm saying? Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Fucking, you know, there's a lot of us that we're not good at it. And I say we because like sometimes we think we're better than what we are, and we're not that good. You know what I'm saying? <laughs> like I'm you want, maybe you want some juice, you know, he's like, Speak for yourself. What I'm like, like, <laughs> like, yo, <laughs> I know how I like it. Bought my girlfriend this new watch, and this watch is on my left wrist. But um, 
Somebody said that. You know, somebody said that. I used to. I was like 16 years old, and I used to work at a restaurant. Yeah. And somebody walked up and said, "Yo, see, so you bought your girlfriend a new watch. What are you talking about?" And they pointed at my wrist. <laughs> I thought that was. <laughs> I was like, "All right, white boy. All right, all right." But, but I say that in the sense of like, you know, when if we're not good at fucking, we're not gonna stop. Mm-hmm. You, you know what I'm saying? And I think like being an artist and having a passion is kind of the same thing. It's like you have a need to do it. Yeah. So I can see him recording all this music and not putting it out because he just feels like he has a necessity to do it. I mm-hmm. get it. You know mm-hmm. what I'm saying? Mm-hmm. But um, but I also feel like if you don't want to put it out, then I don't want to be one of those people trying to encourage, you know. Oh, we need another. Oh yeah, you don't want to you don't like, nah. push a tortured artist to no, do no, something no. they don't want to do because they're either going to stop mm-hmm. or say fuck it and give you some bullshit. Well, that's my thing about Sade is that I feel torn with her because she said that like I don't work on music unless I'm I'm depressed. So I feel like if I'm pushing for her to have a new album, mm-hmm. I'm pushing for her to be depressed. Well, and, and here's don't don't think of it as being depressed i think she was using that word as a blanket statement she has to be in a place i got you i got you in order to write good music not necessarily depression but you have to be in a place all right all right well, speaking of a place um when we're talking about being an artist i think i would call you an artist in some degree like tell tell the people what you do creatively i'm a talk i'm a, a talk show host Okay. A morning talk show. Host. Now, now. And I'm a voiceover artist. All right. I'm a yeah. voiceover artist. Fuck yeah. you, niggas. So, so in, in, saying, world, in, yeah. <laughs> in saying that you're a talk show host, mm-hmm. are you kind of like Molly Caram as a moderator? Or are you in a position where you can speak your mind? I can speak my mind. But. But mm-hmm. the place where I am, where I'm working. Yeah. Uh-huh. Come on. Let's, let's, let's it, deep dive. Uh, let's pod, man. Let's pod. You ain't got to say no names. Well, I understand. Let, the let's place pod. That I'm let's pod. At let's pod. Would not receive my point of view open-mindedly because we know what's going on in politics and in the world today. There's not a lot of open minds out there. Well, all right. I know what you are. I'm trying to I'm trying to ease you into opening mm-hmm. up as much as possible. Yeah. Uh, well, I, I work at a conservative radio station. All right. Now on a morning show. Now let's let's all right. Let's get into it. Okay. So we say conservative loosely because there's a lot of people that that I know that are conservative, but they're not with this current administration. Yeah. So how much of that shit leans into that direction where it's like past? conservative and more into I'm really uncomfortable being in this motherfucker. Um with the morning show is one of those situations where everybody's just kind of just kinda just trying to get to work. Mm-hmm. Now after my show, it leans into that area where this guy can do no wrong. Mm-hmm. It's a it's a worship thing. A almost. worship of forty five. Yeah. I well, and that's the best the best way to uh th- it's a worship thing. This guy can do no, and I I put something on uh, Facebook the other day. I think it was yesterday mm-hmm. or this morning one, mm-hmm. and um, they were interviewing people on. It was a video. They were interviewing people on the streets, mm-hmm. but what they did was they took what was happening with the impe- impeachment of uh, who was the president that was impeached a long time? Was it Nixon? Yeah, it's Nixon. Yeah, yeah, and they took everything that he did and asked them. I mean, and, and were were asking people in a way that made it made them think that Trump was doing it. Mm. And, you know, they were like, if he, if he did this, you know, this shit, he be impeached. And everybody was like, no. Mm. No, he shouldn't be impeached. That's just, you know, blah, blah, blah. They even asked him 
about the vice president, but use Nixon's vice president in the in the in you know instead of it, mm-hmm. the name and everything. Johnson. Yeah, and they were like, no, you know, he's he's just a blah 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 blah. So from that video, I got these people are more um, adapt to protect the man and not the country. Well, here's my thing that I think is wrong that we talk about social media. Here's why I think is really really dangerous. Right, is that when we were growing up. We didn't have social media. Mm-hmm. The only media that we had or the only social shit we had was people that was around us. Yeah. And that kept us in check to a certain degree, right? It's that we knew if we say something too stupid, too far left, talked about somebody mama, said some racist shit, some mean shit, you got to be ready to throw hands or, or be ready to suffer some consequences. Yeah. My biggest issue with social media is that there's no checks and balances. Mm-hmm. That you can have the most obscure, wrong opinion mm-hmm. and find a group of people that will support it. Absolutely. And so what happens, and I say this is on both aisles of, of you know, You're right. Fox yeah. News and MSNBC, mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. a lot of it becomes confirmation bias. You know what I'm saying? A lot of it becomes like, all right, this is already how I feel. Um, so let me just find stuff that support what I already feel. Mm-hmm. Me, my approach is always different. I always approach it from an Obama perspective. Mm-hmm. Is that anytime Trump say some dumb shit, I would be like, well, "What if Obama said that shit?" Like I always pull the, yeah. um, I pull the time to kill shit. Mm-hmm. Remember when Matthew McConaughey was doing the whole yeah. thing? Yeah. He was like, "Blah blah blah, all right, all right." All now right, imagine right. she was white. You know what yeah. I'm saying? Yeah. Like, <laughs> you know what I mean? And, and to some degree, I think that's some real shit. It's mm-hmm. like so, so when it becomes. If Obama did it, would he get this far? Mm-hmm. And the question, the answer is no. You, there's certain like glaring holes within the racial situation. Yeah. And my thing is like, how do you? Maybe you might not feel this way, but do you feel like your your personal? There's a difference between personal views, right? Mm-hmm. It's like mm-hmm. it's like, all right, well, you know, I'm a vegetarian. These niggas eat meat. That's fine. You know what I mean? Like, it's just, you know, that's not going to, you're not going to not be friends with somebody because they eat a exactly. goddamn steak. Yeah. But if there's, like, such moral things that go against who you are, mm-hmm. has that happened to you? Uh, Yeah. But the way I feel is, like, I, I don't have a problem with somebody being a Trump supporter, conservative, or whatever. Mm-hmm. I don't, I don't, I, I actually don't care. I got bigger things to worry about in my life than who you got on your wall at your house. Mm-hmm. Um, but if what you believe ventures into the area of interrupting my life, mm-hmm. disrupting my life, my flow, my chi, mm-hmm. then we have an issue. I got Trump supporters on my on my page. Uh-huh. I'm not blocking anybody. I heard you talking about blocking earlier. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I'm not blocking anybody. If you want to leave, you'll leave. I'm going to put what the fuck I want to put on my page. Mm-hmm. And you put what the fuck you want to put on your page. If you don't agree with it, don't jump on my page with that super Trump supporter bullshit. Mm-hmm. Because not only will I say some shit, but everybody else on my page is going to say some shit too. And then we're going to end up in a, pro- in, a, in a situation. I got a question for you. Here's what I'm thinking, right? Okay. So I remember, like, I got my driver's license and shit. And my parents were, like, trying to find a car for me, mm-hmm. right? And I had an aunt that had passed away that had this old school Lincoln, one of them big ass box yeah, joints. Stinking Lincoln, yeah. Yeah. Huge as a motherfucker. And my uncle, after my, my great aunt had passed, he was just like, yo, it's mine. Like, if Derek wants it, he'll tell my mom and my dad, like, yo, he can have it, you mm-hmm. know? 
And I thought it was dope. First car is a fucking Lincoln? Like, let's go, right? Yeah. It was like an 84 Lincoln. That shit was beautiful to mm-hmm. me. Mm-hmm. My parents were like, yo, that's too big of a car for it to be your first car. It's probably going to be all this bullshit going on. There's no power stirring fluid and all that type of shit. Like, all the flaws that they thought would be a headache for me. Mm-hmm. My theory that I tried to pitch to them was this. If I learn how to drive this big thing, I could do anything. You know what I'm saying? Yeah. Like, if, like, the first car I got is a tank, and I got all this shit. If mm-hmm. I learn how to whip this motherfucker around, yeah. then you could throw anything at me, and I can rock it. Mm-hmm. Is there a part of you with this job, dealing with this highly conservative Trump motherfuckers, you're, you're working in an environment where there's people that you really don't agree with. Do you feel like this is preparing you to step into another role that you're kind of bulletproof after that? Like, oh, if I, I think can it hand, is. If I can handle this shit, I can do anything. Absolutely. I think it is. Yeah. I think it is. You, I'm in probably the most volatile situation anybody who uh, is not of that ilk mm. is going to be able to deal with. Mm. Because I hear some of the most crazy shit that you'll ever hear. Yeah. And it's people that honestly think this is this is how you're supposed to think. So anywhere I go, if I go to another radio station, you know, if I go to a desk job, whatever conversations happen outside of what I'm doing, it's just going to be nothing to me because I've heard everything already. Yeah. There's nothing anybody can throw at me. So, and I know and I, I know the danger of both sides. I mean, shit, on the uh on the Democrat side, mm. the most dangerous people are that everybody who's a Trump supporter is a racist. That's yeah. one of the, those are the those are the dangerous people. Well, on the Trump side, uh-huh. the dangerous people are um, the people that use the phrase "you just hate Trump." Well, listen, I always say this, and I think this is pretty accurate. It's like it's, and I bring this back to some Nikki Haley shit, where it's basically like, "Yo, I I ain't saying that Fuck everybody, her. I ain't saying everybody that." That supports Trump is a racist, mm-hmm. but all the races yep. that I see, they support, they support Trump. Trump. And that was the thing about like the Nikki Haley comment about the Confederate flag. Like I gotta, I remember when I was a kid, I'm talking about elementary school. There's a white kid that I was close with, we were good friends, loved hip hop. His dad had the Confederate flag. Mm-hmm. You know what I'm saying? And me and this dude was dope. His dad was cool. You know, one of them, Leonard Skinner white boys. You know yeah. what I'm saying? Like yeah. they like, you know what I'm saying? And I remember. That caused a wedge in our relationship because I was taught from young age, like, yo, that flag means that we don't rock with you. You know what I'm saying? Yeah. And so I felt kind of bad because I think he was a good dude. And, and he I think that kid ended up marrying a black girl. Mm-hmm. But but so I think about him when I think about people that I think are good people that still rock with that flag. Mm-hmm. But for somebody like, you know, Nikki Haley to be on some shit like, oh, well, I don't see why Dylan Roof use this as his mascot for his racist uh, he hijacked, he yeah, hijacked, he hijacked the meaning. It's like, yo, like, you know, you can say that this was white folks that might not think about it from a racial perspective, but you don't want to be associated. It's sort of like, I don't want to be associated with corny friends, right? Mm-hmm. Like, it can be niggas saying corny shit. Imagine being white and you're not a racist and being associated with Nazis and Klansmen. Mm-hmm. As a white person, I'll be like, man, you know what? If I'm if I'm shouting out the same shit or using the same you know flag that these mm-hmm. motherfuckers use, maybe I should tr- be a little bit different. And you know the funniest part of that is like since the whole uh, Trump uprising thing has started, mm-hmm. I've had several uh, white folk come up and be like, Brian, I had no idea so many of the people I knew were racist <laughs> because all of a sudden the shit was coming out. 
Yeah. Yeah, so now they got to deal with something that they didn't even want to deal with. You know, and the people who, like you, yeah, like your friend's father who had the flag up for whatever his reasons were. Yeah. I bet now he's having to take sides with this group of people that he doesn't want to take sides with. Yeah. Because they believe that flag means something else when that flag, that fucking flag, only means racism. That's all it means. Yeah. It was created for that purpose. The motherfucking flag never flew in South Carolina. Yeah, let's get into it. Let's get into it. Yeah. How how often do you have to bite your tongue at work? I just turn my mic off. <laughs> I cut my mic off. Yo. A lot of times I sit there. There there's a, there's a moment when during the morning show mm. every week when it's uh a situation where I'm just there mm-hmm. listening to that conversation. Yeah. And it's one day every week. Uh-oh. And I don't say shit. I cut my mic off. All I'm in, all I am at that point is a producer. So here's my so here's my question. We pod now. Mm-hmm. At times, have you ever felt that if you're working at a conservative station and you're hearing these white people say some crazy shit, do you ever question your blackness? No, I never question my blackness. All right, put it like this. All right, okay. Not question your I know what you're saying. Because you know you get, you get like, pulled over, and they're not going to be like, oh, join no, the station. No, I know what you're saying. You're yeah. saying, is there a moment where I feel like, why the hell am I here? Why am I doing this? Do you, do you feel cooney? Yeah, no. <laughs> okay. No, because I don't, <laughs> I don't participate. Yo, that's going to be the name of this episode. I don't, I, don't, I don't participate in that, and if I am drawn into it, I know enough to defend myself. Okay. And I've never been like, oh, yeah, you guys are right. I'm just going to sit here and straddle the fence. Yeah. That's it. There's no point in doing that. All right, so what was a moment where you had to say something because it was just going too far left? Not left, you know what I'm saying, but going too far to, to, to the dark um, side. Let me, let me try to think. Dog, I'm this liquor getting to me. Um, I'm going to get a refill in a second. If you answer this, we're going yeah, to. Yeah, I'm going to. Let's see. There was a moment mm. when um, – Shit! What was that? What were we talking about? Somebody, somebody said something to the effect of, um, like I said, that whole uh, you just you you just hate Trump thing, mm. you know, and that, and that that got to me because it was one of those things where oh they're doing this they're doing this, uh they're they're only doing it because they hate Trump, and I was like, do you really think that people would waste their time mm. going through everything they're going through? Mm-hmm. Uh, looking up the information they're looking up, doing the research they're doing, they're doing all this just because they hate a man. Yeah, I said we've been. I was like, black folk have been here long enough to not do something as petty as just hate somebody. Mm-hmm. You know, we have to have a background with shit. We yeah. don't have a choice. Yeah, we got to like, have our bases covered, our A's and B's, our t- I's and T's crossed, or whatever. Because we're always going to get called out on our bullshit if it's bullshit. And that's the thing, too, about black people and politics in America is that we've had for, for, for white folks to act as if we're speaking out against Trump because we just don't like him. There's plenty of politicians in the history of black people in America that we know didn't give a fuck about us, give a fuck about our rights, give a fuck about our well-being. And and that was just something that we always just knew. Mm-hmm. You know what I'm saying? Even to the point where we couldn't vote. <laughs> yeah. You know what I'm saying? Yeah. So so 
for people to act as if we're doing something that's out of the blue, I think is pretty insane. And and the fact that we're speaking so much louder should be more mm-hmm. evidence um mm-hmm. towards that end. So uh all right, we're gonna get us something lighter. Let me get a refill. We'll be right back. Let me get a refill, nigga. And we're back, niggers. Um Diddy's party, man. You see that shit? I saw the pictures. Ah. I saw the pictures. The pictures with uh, <laughs> it's like Pharrell, Diddy, Kanye, and Jay's on the side, like he ain't got nothing to do with this shit. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I don't even think I don't. I heard there was some beef between them. I don't know exactly what was said, mm-hmm. but I just think it's like Jay was looking at him like I'm disappointed. Yeah, you know, if you find religion, well and good, all well and good. I have more power to you, but. There is something going. I said it last week when I was in here. Mm-hmm. Some witches, they got something on that man. Got something on who? On Kanye. A spell? E pluribus unum? Something. They put something on that man. Man, this nigga reading the back of a dollar bill. <laughs> you ain't read, got no dollar. You ever read uh, Behold a Pale Horse? Nope. You know about that, that, that shit by um, William H. Cooper? I never read it. Okay. Well, if you listen to a bunch of like Wu Tang and Killer Army. Oh, I probably heard it already. <laughs> they they said their it. brain was infected by devils. Yeah. Liquid swords. Yo, um. <laughs> uh, hush, little. She was like, uh, he was the best samurai. What she's like? <laughs> In the empire. <laughs> well, I know that shit in my heart. <laughs> uh, he wasn't afraid of the samurai, but the samurai was afraid of him. <laughs> they thought they killed him, but Yo, they didn't. What the fuck happened with Wu-Tang, man? <sighs> They didn't find a place for him. There's no place for him. Like, what do you mean? The, in today's hip hop, mm-hmm. there's no place for Wu Tang. I mean, I think there can be an awakening. Uh-huh. I think there can be a rejuvenation of the hip hop culture. Mm. But we have to take our music back right now. And I'm I, and I hate to just put it on white folk, but white it's folk are, they run hip hop right now. Mm-hmm. If you trace anybody from the artist all the way up, there's a white man in that boardroom. Yeah, and they're putting out a product. Mm-hmm. And if you know anything about what what businessmen do, most white businessmen, when they find a product that works, they keep pushing the shit out. Yeah, and they put it in your faces, which is why we got so much bullshit hip hop. At some point in time, do you think like it became? Because cause remember, like in the mid nineties, you had like Fuji's that were considered conscious, and then you had like poor righteous teachers, and you had like a lot Bush more babies. Poor yeah, yeah, yeah. Te- yeah, yeah, yeah. At some point in time, and that was the thing about capitalism was that I don't think the 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 big machine, if we're on some Mister Robot shit, mm-hmm. I don't think that it's significantly wanting to put out negative shit. I think that if they could see that profitability can be made or profits can be made by making conscious music, then uh, they'll do that. They don't want conscious music out mm. because conscious music pushes the wrong message. And you can even see that in, in television shows and movies. Did we talk about, oh, we talked about American Gods on my podcast. Mm. But did you hear, you, you, you've heard of that show Jones. American Gods, yeah, right? Yeah, Orlando yeah. Jones. Yeah, yeah, yeah. If you watch any of the speeches that he did playing Mr. Nancy, mm-hmm. those things are fucking powerful. Yeah. They don't want that message out mm. because they're saying it's, it's it's pushing the wrong message for the show. Okay, now this is a show that has a woman who is one of the gods who eats dudes by absorbing them oh, into her pussy. pussy. Yo, she's so beautiful, man. Yeah, she was bad. Yeah, that's not the wrong message. Yeah, all right. 
Telling people to re- stand up for what you believe in, revolt. Don't let. Don't take no more well, bullshit. Anytime, anytime that we're um, identified as overly sexual beings, mm-hmm. that's something that they're down with putting out there. You know what I'm saying? Mm-hmm. O- over overtly sexual, or 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 it's one of two things with black women with white people when they do it with with TV and film, right? Mm-hmm. It's that either either it's okay for us to be overtly sexual, or we're asexual. It's either the woman's pussy is swallowing up people, or it's oh. Nell Carter on Give Me a Break. Yeah. Where Nell Carter is basically like, you know, oh, I'm never going to find a man. Mm-hmm. Oh, you know what I'm saying? Mm-hmm. Oh, yeah. I just, I'm, I guess I'm just here with these white kids. There's, you, you know, there's a show on Netflix. I can't remember the name of it, but it's about high school students after the apocalypse. Mm. And they're, you know, it's a zombie world. Mm-hmm. Okay. Now, this is a zombie fucking TV show, it's a series. Mm-hmm. They found a way. To make the only two black people on the main cast, one's a dude, automatically turned him gay. Mm-hmm. And one's a female, automatically turned her turned her so hardened, mm-hmm. no dude wants her. Yeah. Yeah. You know, that's the message you want to put out. That's how you separate the race and break us down. Yeah. That's I, how you decrease the number of black folk existing in the world. <laughs> you right, make yeah. us hate each other, or you make us feel like we're two magnets turned the other way. Also, I feel like in certain shows, like, uh, have you finished The Watchmen yet? Have you watched The Watchmen? Yes. No, 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 no. I have not watched The Watchmen. I got to watch. And I'm going to binge watch it because I think it's nine it's done, episodes it's in. Done now. Okay, I'm Ooh. good. Binge watch time. All right. Well, well, there's an acknowledgement about black folks and, and their importance to civilization and society. And you mm-hmm. can kind of read between the lines with it. Same thing I kind of feel like. You ever seen Children of Men? Mm, I think so. Yeah. Where, where it's like. Uh, women couldn't get pregnant anymore. Yes. And, and yeah. So there's something about, you know, the fate of the world is uh dependent on the womb of a black woman. Mm-hmm. You know, you know what I mean? Mm-hmm. Like so so I, I'm 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 less frustrated about what white folks are saying about us now because I feel like this is kind of the revolution of black people being able to tell their stories. Mm-hmm. You know what I'm saying? Like when you can actually see the fear. Yeah, oh, from yeah. us being anything more than just a stepping stool or something to talk about in the news. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That's just terrifying. It's and I feel like uh, I haven't seen Queen of Slim yet, but I've heard like mixed reviews on. It. Have you seen? Yeah, it? I gotta watch it. I haven't watched it. What's the last thing you seen? Like went to the motherfucking the went to a motherfucking movie theater, not Netflix. Um, disco, uh, <laughs> disco, <laughs> disco Godfather. <laughs> That's a great response. Oh my god! Speaking of like classic, but no, black I'm gonna movies. tell you about another show I'm watching. Okay, uh-huh. it's a show called C, uh-huh. and it has uh, Jason Momoa in it. Okay, okay. So the premise well, it's the of Apple this, Plus shit. Yeah, the premise of this I, I show. So 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 so. Um, you got an Apple Plus? No, Why? I got a Fire Stick that I yeah, did some you, things though, to. I was gonna give you on. some passwords. I thought you were gonna have an Apple Plus password. <laughs> yeah, I got a Fire Stick. Yeah. Um, but so the premise of this show is uh, 500 years ago. Uh, a virus breaks out, everybody goes blind, most everybody dies, there's a million people left on the planet. Mm-hmm. Okay. Um, the 500 years in the future, we've learned, well, people have learned how to adapt. Mm. We've learned how to read through knots and ropes, mm-hmm. uh, get around, you know, battle for areas or whatever. Mm-hmm. Now, two kids are born that can see. Mm. And all of a sudden, they're witches and they want to be hunted and blah, blah, blah. Mm-hmm. Um, I don't. Should I tell you what's going on right now that that pissed me off about the show, or should tell I wait till you watch? watch it, yeah. All right. So the thing that pissed me off, okay. So <laughs> everybody that they're showing it. in the show is pretty much white, mm-hmm. except these two kids. They're mixed because mm-hmm. their father can see 
and he's impregnating uh, random people so he can rebuild society. Side note: If you was if you was blind mm-hmm. and and you cheated on your wife, could that be like the the greatest like hustle? Like, man, baby, I thought it was you. <laughs> like, yeah, I see you. Yeah. See, I don't know. You know, you, you touch it. the same titties for a while. You know your titties <laughs> when you touch them. <laughs> oh, it's braille. They stick up just like this. Pimple beside a yeah, nipple. What is exactly. this? But um, okay. So shout out to braille titties. So the black guy can see. He impregnates this white woman, gets her pregnant, has these two mixed kids. Mm. Um, and he left them a message saying, find me when you're 16. They actually wait till the kids are like 20 or whatever. Mm-hmm. So they finally find him. The black father has set up a whole community of people that, of kids that he's fathered mm. in a prison. Oh, wow. Everybody in the prison's black. Wow. Okay. Um, turns out he's evil. Mm-mm. <laughs> So everybody in this prison system that can see is black. Wow. And the blind white folk are still good guys. Ugh. Okay. So they're having to go get their mixed kids from the black folk in the prison because he's trying to kill them. And it just ends up being a whole black man is the villain thing again. And it's like the more we know, the more dangerous we get. That's what it. That's what it read. That's what it seemed like to me because they learned how to read books. Yeah, and learned about everything and finally found guns and shit. So that's what it said. It said the more we know, the more black folk know, the more dangerous we are. Well, yeah, I, I feel weird about a lot of this stuff. It's like white people are really weird with with like movies and shit. But I also feel like, and I spoke about this before, white people and dogs, <laughs> like like. Back away from this. Look, man. Let's see, you scared of it. <laughs> so, like, there was this real story on um, Real Sports Joint with Brian. Gumbel. About to say Real Six Thirty Two. Yeah, there I you saw go. It's real, uh, real sports with Brian Gumble, and it was mm-hmm. this thing where he was talking about they had a story about the Michael Vick dogs. Yeah, and like how when they found that compound with all the dogs that were the fighting pits, the the usual thing that would happen would be the dogs would be euthanized. But there was this, like, white lady out in Utah that's like, no, I want to save the dogs. And they saved the dogs or whatever. And so, like, all the all of Vic's dogs were adopted except one that was just a little too aggressive, and they put them down. Mm-hmm. So this 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 uh, story was about the people that adopted the dogs. And there was this white family that was like, you know, we saw the thing on the news about, you know, the Vic dogs, and this is one dog that just looks so sweet. We were like, we have to get her. So they flew to Utah. I don't know where they were at, but, like, them niggas went close to Utah. Flew to Utah, tried to, like, you know, bond with this dog, and they brought this dog back home. And the dog is, like, you know, 11 to 12 now, and they mm-hmm. have, people have kids and this and this and that. And so they go to this whole part. This is one part that, I, that just hits me, right? There was a part where... The couple that adopted the dog wanted to go to Virginia to where the dog was at with the fighting facility. You know what I'm saying? Mm-hmm. The, the, when, when she got rescued from the Vic shit. And they said, we just needed to know what our dog went through. And they went out there. And the guy interviewing was like, did you bring your dog with it? No, I wouldn't dare bring her around this ever again. And so this compassion of this dog was like, yo, if this dog was slightly aggressive, we understand because look at what you had to deal with. Yep. You know what I'm saying? Yeah. Like, you, you feel what I'm saying? I see where you're going. Yeah, so, so the amount of compassion, uh-huh. to the, even to the point where they were like, damn, 
look at where this dog was and what this dog been through. Ain't that what we can say about slavery? Mm. Ain't that what we can say about, you know, mm. uh, uh, this whole lie about separate and equal? No, because the at- thing is, when they find out what we went through, they'll find out we were the dog. They were the dog handlers. <laughs> exactly. And they got to admit that shit. Yeah, exactly. So, like, so, so, so I, I, I be feeling like I wish we would get the same amount of compassion as dogs would get. Mm-hmm. And, and, and I feel like, I feel like it's so weird, right? Because it's just like dogs is like the last thing that I think white people can use and be unapologetic. They can say like mad racist shit, yeah, and and be like, "Well, he hurt animals." Yeah, you know uh-huh. what I mean? Uh-huh. It's like the the, the Michael Vick's gonna be brought out for for uh, a captain for the, the All Star team. Yeah. Yeah, 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 and they're like, "Wild out, we have a million dollars signatures, a million dollars, million signatures. Mm-hmm. He shouldn't come out." And I'm like, "Word, did y'all do this shit?" With Ray Rice? Yeah. Did y'all do this shit? With for Ben? No, exactly. Ben Ray the person. Yo, so so that's my thing about it. It's like it's like when, when there's like an ex- like hurting animals is the last mm-hmm. acceptable thing that white people can be like really, really outrageous about it, but yeah. they can kind of hide it under that cloak of an animal. Which, know, go ahead. Which is also the funny shit about like, like when you go to like some of these like, you know, Whole Foods and shit like that, they'll be like, oh, this... These cows were grass fed and they they lived a harmonious life. Mm-hmm, and it's mm-hmm, like mm-hmm. it's like it's such a white thing because it's like, yo, you're talking about how great you treated these animals, mm-hmm. but you're eating them. You know what I mean? It's like yeah. it's like, yo, they were grass fed and yeah. they lived on a farm and blah, blah, blah. And you know, the funny thing about the compassion point, yeah. it's like when they went to go see even if like they went to go see that area 20 years from now, mm-hmm. it's like the area where the dogs were. Yeah. But if somebody else was living on that on that land, we'd be like, we want to memorialize yep. all of the animals that were here and hurt. Yep. Let's build something to memorialize these. Yep. But. Yeah. They won't do that for the black folk. Absolutely, they no. had to come in through Fuck Charleston. No. Fuck no. Yeah, they just want to dock down everything that's there. Forget about uh-huh. it and build their shit. Well, that's my theory. That's my theory about you know when we talk about the ability to read and write. My, you know, we're talking about like the dog shit again. It's like you know when when you have like the racist infrastructure that treated us as if we we're beneath animals. Mm-hmm. My thing is, if you don't think, if you think that we're as dumb as a dog. Why prohibit us from being able to read and write? Because if if I got a puppy in here, I'm not closing my book thinking that oh, if the dog learns how to read, you know, mm-hmm. I'm you know she's gonna be walking me. You know yeah. what I mean? Yeah. The reality that I think is is that when you know that you're fucking terrible, if you have the ability to read and write, you have mm-hmm. the ability to tell the world how bad I was to you. Yeah. And, that, and I think that's terrifying. But it has it, it, it's, it, it has to stem from something. I think when those first folk went over to Africa mm. um, and saw the amazing shit that we had done with nothing, mm. you know, comparably nothing, you know, we, we, were, we were living our lap, our lap of luxury over there in, mm-hmm. in Africa. But when they saw what we had built, the cities we had built, their first thought was, we can never let them know what they can do. Well, yeah. And at this point, they have that same thought, but don't know why. Well, yeah. It's a, it's kind of like that guns, germs, and steel shit. Have you ever, you ever read that? Okay. Or about that? Where it's basically saying that, like, the history of the world is based on guns, germs, or steel. Mm-hmm. In a sense of, you know, I'll give you an example. 
like one of the things it talks about that there's like some um really really remote island um maybe in the amazon or somewhere mm-hmm. where it's it's not that many people and the ideal of it is the way they explained it is there's such little edible shit in the area mm-hmm. that the people that live here it takes all day to find food mm-hmm. you know what i'm saying so the men have to go out and try to find these particular plants and then the women have to do all this stuff and stuff to prepare it mm-hmm. blah, 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 blah. so the idea is basically this if you live in an area where it takes that much shit to eat you're not going to have time to study science you're not going to have time to, to travel, you're not gonna have time to think about yeah. art and stuff like it's that. It's all survival. Yeah, you see what I'm saying. Yeah. So, so the idea is, you know, the world can be explained in those things where there's certain stuff where, you know, certain places are better because regionally the temperature is better. You probably have better food, mm-hmm. so you so you don't have to fight for 24 hours to find something to eat. You can spend time doing something else. Mm-hmm. You know what I'm saying? Mm-hmm. And mm-hmm. so. And so it always became this conversation about, oh, well, you know, uh, these people in these areas that were taken over, they were only taken over because, you know, white people were smarter than they were and blah, 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 blah. Like, nah, it's, it's a circumstantial thing where mm-hmm. it's basically like you have an environment for certain crops. You have an environment for, for, for weaponry to be there. You have an environment mm-hmm. for, for things to be a lot easier. Then on top of that, germs did a lot of the work for you that they'll tell you i was, I was watching this documentary and i think well if you oh john leguizamo did um, the history of uh for dummies yeah, yeah, yeah. and he was talking about was it incas yeah how they they tell you in history books how the, the settlers defeated them in this great war when in actuality all they did was get them sick and wait mm-hmm. it's just germs exactly you know and and that was the thing about like a lot of the stuff where it's basically like, you know, I feel like, I feel like it's the same thing where they have this narrative when they talk about athletes where they try to act like, oh, these black athletes, just shut up and dribble. You're just this big dumb idiot or whatever. And I'm like, no, I'll never say anything like that because in order for you to be a professional athlete, you're operating at a genius level mm-hmm. somewhere. Mm-hmm. So for you to be in the NBA, you're operating at a genius level mm-hmm. of that sport. Yeah. You know what I'm saying? Which, same thing when we're talking about these people who live in these environments, that if you're operating, it's a 10,000 hour thing, is that you're not going to find somebody that has an amazing jump shot mm-hmm. and is also going to be a world-class chef. Yeah, You know what I'm saying? Yeah. Like, like your your time but, and your energy is going to go to one or the other. Yeah, but then know? think about the genetics, the, the, the people that they took from Africa to bring mm-hmm. them here. Not, not talking about the ones that were already here because we are well aware that Africans were already here in America mm-hmm. when settlers got here. But when they went there and brought people back, they brought the tallest, the biggest, the strongest, the fastest. Yeah. So those are the genes that you brought over here. What are you going to do but produce people who are the strongest, the biggest, the fastest? Exactly. And, you know, the most, the scariest, to be honest with you, there's a, there's a scientific study that said that when, when white people see black folk, mm-hmm. they see bigger, stronger, faster. Well, yeah, it's, it's the King Kong theory. You know mm-hmm. what I'm saying? It's like it's like let's, it's first and foremost, right? Nobody ever wants to say this. Like when you listen to like the sports commentators when they talk about the SEC has the best players, it's like you know why? Yeah. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? Like, this is the South. Yeah, you this know what is what saying? we came in. At. Yeah, it's like so. It's like so for people to be bragging about like the SEC having all these players, we don't know why. Like eh, there's a reason behind it. Mm. But but you know, I I, I feel like 
you know, people don't want to have those conversations or at least, at least uh, uh, those acknowledgments of, of like why things are the way that they are. You know mm-hmm. what I mean? Mm-hmm. But I don't know. I, I feel like, I feel like sports is one of those things where, you know, it's kind of the King Kong thing in the sense of like King Kong was a total racist thing where King Kong was basically the black dick, you know, mm-hmm. and, and it's, and it's like, Anytime there's something that happens in the United States where black people are edging towards getting certain rights, um, white people overcompensate. Kind of the same thing I think what happened with, with Trump and Obama is mm-hmm. that anytime a country progresses enough to elect a black man, mm-hmm. they're like, oh shit, they might they might elect a woman. The country goes and overcompensates and they get the worst kind of white guy. Yeah. You know what I'm saying? Yeah. And so the same thing with like the King Kong theory is that, you know, when you look at um, Reconstruction after the Civil War, white people overcompensate, and then there's the Klan. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? Yeah. Because it's just like, oh, well, these black people get free. Mm-hmm. You know, they're gonna kill all the white people. It's kind of overcompensate. Let's yeah. create the police force. It, it, exactly. You know, which which there was no history of the police force ever existing um, prior to the idea of slave catchers. Mm-hmm. So that's the origin of the shit. In the I United said that States. on my page. Yeah. And I looked at my numbers of people who were on my page. I saw it like decrease by two. I think I pissed like two people off when I posted that shit. <laughs> two racists. Yeah. You know what I'm saying? And so, and so that was the thing about it where, you know, the King Kong thing, there's a response to the United States where, you know, <laughs> if you look at King Kong, it was on the verge of like women voting. You know what I'm saying? Mm-hmm. And so the overcompensation is King Kong's this big black dick. Mm-hmm. <laughs> you know what I mean? And so chilling in chilling on his island, not fucking with nobody. Yeah. And and the and the fear that this black dick is gonna take the white woman. Mm-hmm. And it didn't mm-hmm. really end well for him. It's like, you know, King Kong, you're a fucking fifty foot monkey. You want you want this little old white bitch? Yeah. Where yeah. you gonna stick that dick? You had, know the what people, I'm had the people on the island like, y'all don't wanna fuck with this dick. <laughs> yeah, y'all you know don't wanna leave this dick on the island. Yeah. He ain't fucking with nobody. It's it's the story of it's the story of the 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 black man in America. They went to this island. They got him here. They brought him here. And what happened? He takes your beloved white woman. It's the same thing with um, Birth of a Nation, mm-hmm. where you know the clan they're the heroes of the movie. You know what I'm saying? Yeah. It's it, and all of it is in response of you know um, you know uh, black people uh, getting their freedom. And and not only was the clan the heroes of the movie. The president in the office said that is he said it is like history written with lightning. And the worst part about it is that it's also true. So when we talk about Confederate statues in the South and specifically in South Carolina, the response specifically, when we're talking about the nineteen sixties, what was they responding to? They were responding to the verge of the Civil Rights Act mm-hmm. being passed. Mm-hmm. So anytime black people were talking about, yo, Here's the rights we need to have, and we're etching towards that. White people were like, yo, let's create these Confederate monuments to remind these niggas. Yeah. And that's what it's all about. Yeah. You know what I'm saying? So yeah. huh. you know the funny thing is like when you when when somebody of another race tries to throw that throw some shit back on you, mm-hmm. not knowing that you know shit. Mm-hmm. Like, Brian, you know y'all black folks were Republicans uh before they were Democrats. I'm like, you you do know I know. I know shit, right? Like I know shit, and I and I hate when white people try to bring that shit up out of context and try to act like it's just this linear thing, where it's basically like, oh, you know, for people to think that these parties were totally the same is totally, is totally, uh, 
misgiving and 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 people mm-hmm. trying to use this cliff notes yeah. explanation of what history is you know what i'm saying it's 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 like you know that's like that's like saying hey you know we once were you know you know english people before we were americans it's like yeah shit changes there was a war that decided that yeah. you know what i'm saying yeah. <laughs> even when though shit changes yeah like y'all wanted us the you know you wanted us to be equal, but you wanted us way the fuck over absolutely, here. Absolutely, absolutely, and 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 especially you know when we're looking at the civil rights movement and how the parties kind of flipped um, around that time. You know, we also got to talk about the Dixiecrats, which which I'm more I'm more frustrated when we talk about like the Confederate monuments. Every day I get off the interstate and that shit says Strom Thurmond Highway. Oof. You know what I'm saying? There's yeah. buildings and streets named after him. Yeah. Where where he ran as a Dixie crack. But he he and the thing is he got a pass because he of that did. shit. He went right be before sugar. he died. Mm-hmm. I got a black daughter. <laughs> oh, he's fine. He fucked a black chick. Well, probably raped her. And that's and that's no probably about it. It's like the same thing they tried to do about this whole Thomas Jefferson thing where, you know, uh, Thomas Jefferson, how they try to say it in, in, in history books, uh, he had a relationship with a slave. Like, no, you yeah. don't. If, if that's your property, that's not a relationship. Thomas Jefferson was the wooden teeth guy. Do you know no, those? George Washington. George Washington, slave, I'm sorry. Slave teeth. But George Washington, yeah, that's what I was going to yeah. say. You know those were slaves' teeth? Yep, absolutely, absolutely. Absolutely. <laughs> yep. Yep. Now, there was something that I saw recently. The Smithsonian's website acknowledged it because I would see stuff before growing up when they would talk about, like, because they had, like, uh, his dentures mm-hmm. in, like, one of these museums. And they were like, some of the teeth were wooden, some of them were such and such, and some of them were human teeth. And I'm like, word? Uh, word. What, 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 what kind of human? <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. What kind of yeah, human? Yeah. So, so the Smithsonian website has been really good about saying, like, yes, these are from enslaved people. Mm-hmm. And let's be honest, it wasn't a situation where it was like, they died. And we no, took them out. Like, no, nah, no. nah. Exactly. You know what I'm saying? And so America has this really ugly history. And I feel like something that, that uh, Trevor Noah said, and white people are like, what do you want from us? And blah, 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 bootstraps and all this bullshit. Trevor Noah said something I thought was really, really interesting. He talked about South Africa and post-apartheid. Mm-hmm. And he said what South Africa did was – Culturally and politically, there was an acknowledgement that the country made where people that were involved in the apartheid from a police perspective, where they, you know, were ran rampant on the black people in the community, politicians, people that did all this wrong, terrible shit. Not only did they have to admit what they did, but the people in the community they affected were able to tell them what they did. Mm-hmm. And there was this acknowledgement about it. Yeah. You know what I'm saying? Now, They'll did that mean acknowledge it here. Now, did that mean that all those people that quote unquote were police officers during the apartheid that treated black people like shit, did they all go to jail? I don't think so. Mm. You know, because they can always fall under the like, look, I, I wanted my job, or blah 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 blah. Yeah. But he said there was something healing about the community being able to to not act like this is something that we're making up. And that's mm-hmm. what happens with black people in America, especially black people in the South, is that we talk about this shit, mm-hmm. they act like we exaggerate. Yeah. You know what I'm saying? They're acting like, oh, you're just pulling this out of your ass. Like, no. Yeah. Like, this shit is real. I told, uh, I told a guy about the, the um, Black Wall Street. Mm-hmm. And his jaw, it was a white guy. 
his jaw dropped. Mm. And he's 50. <laughs> Never heard about Black Wall Street. Had no idea. Yeah. And I was like, you would be amazed at the shit that's been done. Mm-hmm. Go to New York mm-hmm. and go to um go to uh what's the what's the park? Central Park. Mm-hmm. That was a black oh, neighborhood. Oh yeah, absolutely. You know, yeah. you would be amazed at the bloody shit that has happened. The Tulsa rights, which is what, which is on yeah, the Washington, show, which which is also why uh, white people got so mad about that. You yeah, they're they gonna get it. Look, 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 they got they, they got more mad when the season went on. Ooh, it was so great. I gotta watch. I watch. Yeah, you gotta fit, man. And Regina King, it was all on Regina King. Punani, and you. Oh, because I, I want to watch straight through. Okay. You know when you know when when uh, my eyes open to Regina King. When enemy of the state. She, well, yo, she, she walked out. Up <laughs> yo, we're on the same page. Yo, she, had, yo, she opened the. Oh, wait a minute. What's it, Sandra? Yo, she had that broad panty set and that Bruh. six packed out. I was like, bro. I was like, excuse me. Uh, yeah. I'm like, here's y'all fucking game or whatever the fuck this is. I got some business hand on the back yo, home. Same motherfucking page. Yo. I was like, uh, 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 oh, right, when that happened, my eyes were open. I pushed Tyra to the side. Yeah. After like, the higher learning thing, I pushed uh, her to the side. You had a big ass death. forehead. She was so terrible. Like, What's skin, wrong with you? Light skinned girl forehead. Yeah. That was the worst death in a movie ever. I would have been like, that's, t- that's what happens when you're dating the director. I would have been like, the piece John Singleton. Right, let, let me touch your titties one more time. <laughs> <I was> like, <laughs> Look, there's a bullet in one of them. Let me touch the other. Oh my God. Yeah, she was so terrible in that. Yeah. Well, fucking Remy. She tried it. <laughs> Malik. The mallet, yeah. Just take my belt off and spank you, you fucking monkey. Oh my gosh! And that's all I see of him now. I've watched Zebrahead, and I still only see him Zebrahead. in uh in, in Higher Learning. Man, you ever watch the show Justified? Yeah. He tried to play a Southern role, and it was the worst acting. Nah, ever. he's a New York guy. Oh like, my, thick, he was thick, so bad. The thickest New York accent you can have in Hollywood. Michael Rappaport get on my nerves sometimes, but the only thing I'll the reason I give him a pass. Is that he did the Tribe Called Quest documentary, and, uh-huh. and because that. he knows hip hop. Oh yeah, I mean you know yeah. a, you know you're a white boy growing up in Queens, you got to be around it. You know what I'm saying? Mm-hmm. Like even if you racist, you could probably like recite some songs. You know what I'm saying? <laughs> like, <laughs> and he's not like he's not white coonish with it. Mm. Like the comedian, uh, what's the white guy's name? Peters, the Indian guy. No, 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 the white guy. Um, oh. it's a white comedian who's always telling black jokes. What is his name? Married to the black lady. Well, you're not talking about Bill Burr is married to a no, black lady. No, not Bill Burr. Hold on a second. He's like one of those old, almost deaf comedy jam white, white hey, boy Google. comedians. Hey, Google, who is the white comedian on BET's Comic View that is married to a black woman? She ain't going to know that. That's it. That's it. God damn it. <laughs> Stop! <laughs> How did she know? Yo. How did she know? I, ne- I never knew. Yo, she was flat on. But I, I can't stand him. Yo. <laughs> thank, Yo. thank you, Google. Yo. Shorty killed it. Is that going to be on the, on the phone? Yes. <laughs> yes. <laughs> it records it all the time. Yes. Oh, shit. Yo. <laughs> but no, I, I don't like him. Oh. Gary Owen. <laughs> Gary Owen. Can't stand him. Don't think he's funny. All right, so what's the opposite of a of a Uncle Tom? Like an Uncle Tom is a black guy. Well, that, yeah, Uncle Tom wasn't a bad guy. No, that's no, not, no, that's the wrong guy. I mean, I've, I mean, listen, I heard the the explanation on the Jeffersons, but I'm saying, but, but 
you know, with our lingo, what's the, yeah. Yeah, what's, the yeah, what's the what's the white version of that? Like Gary Owen. What's the, <laughs> what's the, the Gary Owen? Yeah. Oh my gosh, it's the Gary Owen. We'll but not. That. But I'm saying, like, you know, the guy that like white people when they see a black uh, a white guy like I don't know dancing or invited to a black barbecue and they're like oh, the Max Kellerman or something. Yeah. Like, what, what's what's the white version of that? <laughs> Nigger lover. <laughs> <laughs> I don't know. Yeah. Yeah, I, I guess a Gary Owen would be him. Yeah, the Gary Owen. Yeah. All right, well. Trying to appease the other race for guess, for laughs. I guess this is the name of the episode. And acceptance. What was it going to call the episode earlier? I had another name that I was going to use. That was the other show. No, there was another There's another name for this one. I was like, oh, that's going to be the name of the episode. I don't know. Ah, fuck it. I okay. got bad bad memory. The Gary Owen. Okay. Well, that's, well, shit. The Gary Owen episode. That's what it is. Which I don't think he's that bad of a guy, but I guess. Uh, I'm not, I'm, I don't, I don't find him amusing. And there are, there are comedians that I just don't find amusing just because they're too goddamn animated. He's I'm just gonna one tell you, of them. I'm going to tell you who had a, a a comedy special. I thought she was great. Who? Um, Fox. What's her name? Michelle Fox. Michelle Fox. I think that's her name. She has the high, high pitch voice and she did the. She did the, uh, the, the, the White House Correspondence Dinner. Oh, yeah. She is. She's mean. Yeah, was she that mean. her? I what? think that's her. That's that does all the. Um, her voice sounds like this. You uh, can't miss it. I don't know. It. I'd have to look look at. It. She's not the one that does all the roast too, is she? Is she? She might have done some roast. Hold on a second. Hold on a second. Let me see. Pikachu. Pikachu. Did you see that movie? Um. Yeah, apparently, did. yeah. How bad it. was it? I don't know anything about Pokemon, so it was entertaining to me. Yeah, yeah, I like her mouth. <laughs> I did watch her thing. Yeah, I do like her mouth. Okay. That's what I look at. Man. Oh, what a nice mouth. Super Hoover Doodle Stain Remover. Ha <laughs> ha! That's the name of the episode. <laughs> <laughs> Thank you, Biggie. Um, you be your Super Hoover Doodle Stain Remover. All right. I think we got a buck 15. Yeah, we do. Is, is there anything else we need to say? No. To do? Um, Buy black, support black businesses. Shop at black e-commerce businesses. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. So so Christmas is coming up. Like the whole idea of uh buy black Fridays. Mm-hmm. If y'all ever want to buy some black shit, you can buy some black shit. Go to mobetasoul.bigcartel.com, which is one of our sponsors. Mobetasoul.bigcartel.com. Enter code Negro for the Negro League Podcast to save ten percent. Shut up, nigga. We're also sponsored by Down East Records. Go to downeastrecords.com or Down East Records on all the social medias. Enter code Negro to save 10%. Down East Records for all of your vinyl needs. Vinyl. Great deals on shipping as well. As We're also well. sponsored by Tussie. 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 In a world. Tussie. It's not chalk. It's Tussie. You also find me on all social media as Preach Jacobs. Preach Jacobs. Uh, and you can listen to this anywhere you can. Anywhere Ryan, you can. Nigga, what's your social media shit? My social media. BLenny03 on uh, Instagram. Mm-hmm. Uh, you want to find me on Facebook, uh, Brian Leonard. <laughs> Brian <laughs> Leonard. <laughs> so, uh, of course, our podcast that I do is called The Company. Mm-hmm. Uh, we broadcast. I was told to say we broadcast on all, all um, streaming sites. Let's look for the bo- the podcast, the company podcast, and you'll find this big yellow symbol. It says the company. It has my name, my homie Izzo, my other homie uh, Sosa, my other homie Rich, and my homie Jason. My um, name's under it. It's yellow and green. All right. So it feels like you ever yellow's for the money. You ever Gold's seen, for the honey. 
you ever seen um the movie uh The Good Son? I said that wrong. Uh yeah. Remember when like the end the old lady had to she was holding two of the dudes, two of the kids, and she had to let one go to save one of them? Yeah. Yeah. You got four homies. If they about to fall off <laughs> fall off the side of a mountain, who, who are you letting go? Does anybody owe me money? <laughs> I can't. I'm not. Of, I don't need of, to. All of them has paid you. So hold on. Here's a question. I don't need this kind of negativity. Here's a question. Life. Are you gonna let the person that die that owes you money, or are you gonna let the person that owes you money live because you know you are gonna get that? Yeah, because I need that money, B. Oh my god, I ain't never gonna get my shit. I'm gonna look at the funeral and be like, hey, that nigga owe me five dollars. <laughs> I know it's a sad day, and oh, bitch, you got my five dollars. Nah, I, I, I don't know. I would never let my homies get in that situation where I'm going to have to save their life. I have warned them beforehand. Yo, niggas, if y'all need me to save your life, <laughs> you about to meet Jesus. <laughs> like, like, you depending on me? Hey, I'm about to throw shit. my arm off for this shit. Man, you in trouble, man. You can't never put a, a joint back yo, in. Yo, man, how many of them movies people be having them muscles, they got to pull motherfuckers up? Dog, I can't do the pull up. I saw that shit today. Somebody pulled somebody over a cliff and they had an axe in their hand. Oh, man, please. You better, Bye, be, bitch. you better become friends with The Rock. That's the only nigga I know that Absolutely. can do that shit. <laughs> hey, when you die, protect me, because I know you'll be a ghost. You know what I'm saying? Shit. Oh, I'd be a ghost, like, fucking up all your moments when you be trying to fuck. Hell yeah. Anytime you got to go out in the room, I'd be like, woo, I'd start pushing shit over in the room. <laughs> <laughs> Somebody smack my ass just now. It was me. <laughs> boogity, boogity, bitch. That's <laughs> where my finger is. <laughs> Was hosing your condoms, nigga. Yo, there was something. There was this meme that I hey, saw. There was a meme I saw. Oh, this dude. It was like a picture of a guy. It's like his shirt was off, and he was looking on it. He was looking on the internet, and he got he looked sad, and it had like all the ghosts of all his dead relatives above him, and it was just like this is how I be feeling when I be trying to jerk off. <laughs> you saw the one. Hold on. You saw the way it was like, oh, you said, you said, how come every time you feel, every time you jack up, you feel bad? It had like a picture of Michael Jackson crying, and under it said, I'm sorry, Jesus. <laughs> oh, God, I'm dizzy. All right. All right, this is the podcast. podcast. Yeah. <laughs> Nico Lee, peace. I'll be touching you to you, baby.